Hey kids, this is Yoshi, and this episode of podcast is brought to you by Punk Apparel. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI, Y-O-S-H-I, in all caps, at the checkout for 15% off all items. Punk Apparel accepts all major currencies and offer free worldwide shipping. Go to punk.co, that's punc.co, and enter promo code YOSHI. You're listening to... Yoshi Obayashi. All right, new welcome to the new episode of Yoshi Dana. I mean, Chris, which I forgot which town it is, but what part of Valley is this? Uh, I guess this technically isn't the valley anymore. This would be uh, Thousand Oaks. Okay. You know. Beautiful place. Where you're by the, um, is that a lake right here? Yeah. 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 It's a little uh, lake. Um, thanks for inviting me, and uh, I'm glad I have a chance to talk to you because I'm, I'm here today with Chris Dreams. You work for... Uh, Everybody. Pro- well, but you're everybody that you want to work for. You yes, and you work for one of the premier adult um, powerhouse Jules Jordan Productions. And Jules used to uh, be part of Evil Angel. So I remember for at least three, four years when he was part of Evil Angel. And uh, great guy. He works really, really hard and uh, very uh, concerned about the uh, quality of his movie. So, um, so anyway, Chris, thanks for doing it. I I think the first time I met you through our mutual friend Jeff Martin, and he contacted me telling me that uh, one of his friends wanted to uh, go to Tonight Show and take yeah. your mom, and man, you, you were so nice, and your mother was wonderful, and uh, yeah, I mean, and, and not to mention, you did something that was really shocking to me, you know, um, all I ever ask is like, make sure people enjoy, punctual, and things like that, but you really went out of way to, uh, you know, show your appreciation, and I sure that. First, first and last person ever did like give me money for, it. and you didn't have you didn't have to do it, but you're very generous. Um, uh, Hundred bucks for Jesus, you know, Chris. So th- thank you, and um, um, and your mom, your mom was just a very sweet person, and I'm glad I uh, got to meet you guys. It made her trip, and to me, anything from my mom. Man. Yeah, I love my mom. My mom gave up. The, she gave up a lot to raise me and my brother by herself. So anything, and and we. We weren't uh, the greatest kids in the world. We put her through hell, and, and I know it, you know. So every chance I get, I, I tell her, mm-hmm. you know, how much I love and appreciate her and, and try to try to do good. <laughs> and I, lo- I love this because I think a lot of people who uh, outside of the adult business think everyone is crazy in the business, but I see this stuff all the time. People are really normal. Uh, you see a lot of people in the adult business in the valley, and they have a regular life. Like you see them at the whole, uh, you know, restaurants or grocery stores, just like any other yeah. regular people, you know. And yeah. uh, it was really nice. It was really nice to see um, you were having good time with your mom. And like whenever I talk to Jeff Martin, how um, fond of he is with his mom, and you know, it was, it was really nice. It was a very sweet t- uh, way to meet you. And then the last time I saw you. Um, you were working with um, Steve Holmes at uh, <laughs> Papa. Yeah, um, S&M bondage thing. So yeah, it was it was great to see you. And um, I didn't realize you worked so much. I mean, not only do you have your own production company and with your movies, but you work with a bunch of other people as well. Yeah, 
They, they like to say I'm everybody's secret weapon. Because <laughs> um, um, you're... I like to work. I'm a workaholic. I, I could I tell that. I don't like a day off. I don't at all. I would prefer to work than, than really have a day off if I'm not going somewhere or doing something. Sure. And, and there was a point where I didn't have a vacation for three years, didn't see my mom for four years. Yeah. And um, even one time I did three and a half months without one day off, not one day. <laughs> And lost a lot of production managers and production assistants. They're like, yeah, I want the job, man. You work a lot. You know, yeah. Everybody says you work a lot. Then they're like, yeah, I can't do this, man. <laughs> I'm going to lose my wife. And yeah. All right, man. <laughs> Did you get this work ethic from your mom? Because it sounds like uh, she really worked hard for you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom, it was, uh, uh, she worked at the school, so she, she, she could get off the same time we got off. Mm -hmm. And then she'd pick us up and she'd drive us around in the car when she sold Avon door to door. I guess that's an easy close when you got your kids with you. Sure. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> like, very true. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we'd get a babysitter at night and she'd go to night school to get a real estate license. Good for her. And she ended up uh, owning three real estate agencies herself and being the broker agent, like, the whole thing. So it really is American dream, you know? Like the, yeah, the, she worked, yeah, yeah. So you're, you're from um, Maryland. Annapolis, and, Maryland. Right, and you were telling me something interesting. I know there's a Navy Academy, but you also mm -hmm. said something about uh, it's the uh, deepest, uh, what is well, that? Well, the Chesapeake Bay is mm -hmm. the largest estuary in the world. And for somebody who doesn't know what an estuary is, it's a body of water that's fed by the rivers, but then leads to the ocean. I see. Right? So, you know, you hear, oh, San Francisco Bay or Santa Monica Bay, and you look at it. Right. Well, technically it is because of the L.A. River, right? Right. But when you look at it, it doesn't look like a contained body of water. Right. The Chesapeake Bay runs from Delaware all the way down and out through Virginia. So it I runs see. through a few states, and it's it's... The, at the shortest point, it's about four miles across because that's where the actual Chesapeake Bay Bridge in Annapolis is. There's, okay. another, there's another Bay Bridge, but it's called the Bay Bridge Tunnel in Virginia. It's trippy. If, if, if you're ever in the area and you can ride across it, it doesn't matter if you're not going to the other side, turn around and drive back because it's a regular bridge. And then all of a sudden it just goes underwater. I see. Like halfway across you know, this body of water, you don't see any bridge anymore as you're driving. You're like, because, you know, you see looking at the rise and you're like, holy shit, whatever. And then all of a sudden it goes under and then it comes back up on top of another bridge again. I see. Really, really weird. Really cool. You know, if you're into that architectural, structural kind of stuff. So, so. What, what was it like growing up in that part of the uh, country? It was great. You had four seasons, all of them, you know. Winter, not crazy winter like up north, but we got snow. Yeah. You know, rain a little, but you got enough snow to get a couple of free days off, you know, for the school kids and stuff. And then summer's hot, muggy, humid, East Coast, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, once again, not like New York, a little bit less. We're five hours south. Um, but uh, I grew up on the water, man. So for me, water skiing, fishing, crabbing, you know, I, I, I could 
go outside and, and throw a line in, in the bay and pull out a perch, that was lunch. Got it. I mean, at a young age. Because I didn't like shitty food. Mom wasn't around. She said, well, then, you know, you better go get it. So I would. I grabbed my fishing pole. I'd walk down. Bang. Grab my little perch. My mom liked to do gardening, so a little tomato, and that was lunch, you know? And so when you were growing, did you spend a lot of time in Baltimore as a kid kind of visiting, or? We, we'd go up to Baltimore. I had a relative that lived up there. Because um, I love the seafood there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Annapolis is better. Is that right? Yeah. yeah for sure. The, the, the restaurants, everything. Um, Baltimore's cool. I ran around Baltimore more at the end of my career when I started uh, being more of, I guess you could say, a quote-unquote biker. Yeah. You know, um, and hanging out in the strip clubs up there. Uh, a bunch of my friends like to go up there. They could pull strippers better yeah. going to D.C. My whole younger life, I liked to run around D.C. It was just for me... I don't know. It's, it's classier. Baltimore is a you know blue-collar town, and DC is white-collar. You know, and had another friend of mine, a guy named Matthew, and he's another. Uh, um, um, my grandfather's 100% Cherokee. He was another Indian. There wasn't many of us, so uh, we would hook school and get on the train and go up and to the Smithsonian. Yeah, and that's you know get all high and just walk around and look at all the you know, cool old stuff. It's so interesting. I really like DC culturally and, yeah. and you know, a little more sophistication, not not the you know downplay Baltimore, but it's not the high society and and you know. Cuz last year I went to Baltimore cuz I'm a big fan of The Wire and yeah. I I watched yeah. it. So I went to every corner of the major murder scenes. Okay. So like the person who was driving didn't know anything about the show and she was getting a little nervous cuz Baltimore is a yeah. nice town, but yeah. it goes really bad right away. And like sometimes even half a block is you're in the bad neighborhood. And street to street. Yeah. It's not, there's not a section. Okay, D.C., Anacostia, mm -hmm. unless you know somebody and you're welcome, mm -hmm. don't go. Yeah. It's not for the faint of heart at all. You know, I've gone there, been there, used to do business there. Most people, no. Okay, uh, Baltimore's different. Two blocks are great, then the next two blocks aren't. Yeah, it's it's, it's stark uh, how yeah. dramatically it changed. And D.C. is, you know, obviously one of the most important cities of the world. That's where all the power is at. And um, it's a be beautiful place. But I have to admit, um, there's a point when you drive away from the old uh, political area, it gets kind of, it gets really... Um, gets bad. It gets dark really yeah. fast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be Anacostia. Yes. When the border of, of Prince George's County, Maryland, and, and D.C., right there where the RFK Stadium is. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's not the good area, but uh, but it's fun. <laughs> so, um, so one, you, thing, one thing I loved, and this was pre-porno, uh, we would go to K Street where all the hookers and stuff like that were, and the, you know, strip bars and stuff. In D.C.? Or, yeah, in D.C., yeah. Before they moved it down to M Street. Uh, there was a place called Archibald's, but there was a dirty bookstore. Yeah. And it was called the Brown Paper Bag. And I'll never forget this. That's this. the name of this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was cool as shit because they had a brass plaque yeah. that was like really nice and set into the brick and everything. And it, it said the Brown Paper Bag, proprietors of fine smut. <laughs> and there was a hookers just walking around in D.C. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I'm assuming most pastry. of I, I'm assuming most of them are black. Yeah, black ones. Why? Well, I mean, DC. Huh. <laughs> We're not discriminating. <laughs> and when we wanted, we pulled up, and it, you know, it's it's the area, right? Yeah. You got hookers. You got drugs. You got the whole thing, right? Right. So it's the. So we pull up and. Couple of brothers come running over. What do you want? What do you want? I got that love boat. I got that cane. What do you, you know, no, no. we're like, we were trying to get, three of us were trying to get into this strip bar, but you needed a collared shirt. And my buddy had one, but we were wearing t-shirts. Is, so is we, it one of those fancy joint or? Yeah, it was, it was Archibald's been there forever. Huh. Probably still there. I don't know. But, but we're like, we need some collared shirts. And the brother's like, what? We're like, shirts, man. We need to get into this bar, man. We need collars on our shirts. And he's like, okay, hold on. Let me see what I got you. Right? He turns around. He's telling the other boy. You see the other guy go, what? <laughs> Come on, white boys want some collared shirts, man. All right, hold on. Right? And they start running around. He comes back, and I'm buying. Yeah. Thank God I'm buying. Because he comes back. He's got one clean in a package. Still wrapped up. Now, where the fuck two brothers at 1230 in D.C. <laughs> come around the corner. They got one. It's a polo shirt, but yeah. it's got a collar. And then one that's in the package. And I'm like, package is mine. There you go, buddy. <laughs> and told my, so you take the other one. Threw the guy 50 bucks. They're like, are y'all sure you don't want a little something, something? We're like, no, we don't want no drugs. Just the collared shirt. I got to hand it to those guys, those hustling guys, man. They're dude, so resourceful. Dude, we were like, dude, that's that's. And as much as I tell that story, you know they had to been just bawling about that for days, right? Yeah. Crazy ass white boys come up here and give us fifty dollars <laughs> for two collared shirts. <laughs> well, why was this club, strip club, so different than special? Uh, it, it wasn't. It was just a um, DC. You can drink and see full nude. In Baltimore, you can't. Baltimore, they have to wear pasties if you want to drink. There's, huh. you know. So it's it's weird because probably another reason why I like DC a lot. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. I didn't even know that because I I remember prostitutions were technically legal in Rhode Island until four or five years ago, uh, as long as you solicit people inside of the building. If you do it outside, you get in trouble, mm -hmm. and it was some kind of loophole. But they finally ended, I don't know, four or five years ago. But. Um, so, so interesting, like even before you were thinking about getting into adult business, you, you somehow were hanging out with your friends, you were kind of exposed to the adult business in D.C. Well, uh, I was exposed to porno younger than the age of 18. Yeah. Just, uh, you know, it was around, uh, my stepfather had 8 millimeter tapes, you know, the ones yeah. that set up the machine. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. So, uh, and the machine would be out because they used to let us uh, go to the library and get like, you know, Planet of the Apes and Abbott and Costello and the old, because in the old days you could just use your library card and get a movie. And, and we used to do it. I guess that was the excuse of why we had an eight millimeter machine. Yeah. Because this is pre-VHS even, you know. So, you know, I guess they needed a reason for, you know, why this machine was around. And then later, once we got into, you know, discovered his stash, right? We, we realized what it was really for, <laughs> and that was all the old stuff, Sanka and you know, John Holmes, like all the old, old Swedish erotica, yeah, eight millimeter, and which know. is weird because uh, Seika is American and I think she's from Kansas or something, yeah, <laughs> right, you know. Right. <coughs> so, so you grew up there, and and when did you? Um, I, I didn't realize it though. Yesterday, 
you're like you weren't like a professional cyclist or anything like that, but you were you were into riding motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Just I mean, I was I grew up dirt riding, mm-hmm. um, and it's not like I was one of those guys that are like, yo, I don't do you know the Japanese bikes. I, I didn't care, but I mean, my dad was a race car driver. Is that right? He did. Yep. He did track. He did. Uh, he had a Husqvarna three sixty eight speed, which is what he did in the dirt track. Badass bike. And then he had some uh, uh, Mustangs and stuff. He used to race. And he was a mechanic. That's by, by trade. That's what he did. And um, so, that, so the vehicles were like ex- extension of him. He knew. Oh that yeah, had. my dad was. He was a greaser. Yeah. My dad was a greaser. My mom was the beauty queen, straight A student. It was it. Greece. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Like my dad dropped out of high school and was a mechanic. My mom literally got one B her whole life and she was prom queen, Valentine queen, homecoming queen, like mm-hmm. every all the beauty shit you can get in school, that's what she got. So they were, you know. And uh I remember Everybody used to come over and, and have my dad fix stuff for him, whether it was a motorcycle, a car, or whatever, you know, all the different racers. He was in a race club yeah. for car and motorcycle, right? Uh, the car club was called the Annapolis Eliminators. I still have the jacket, the old 50s oh, wow. car club jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so everybody would come over, and one day this guy came over on this old knucklehead, you know, all chopped down, just stripped down to nothing, just... You know, the frame, the motor, you know, very 73, what they used to do. Kind of like the new, you know, the bobbers today. You see these young kids running around, these like bobber styles, what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's what it was. And this this guy came rolling up on this thing, making all this noise. I could hear him coming around the corner, and it wasn't running so great, so it was backfiring and popping and everything. And he came pulling up, and I just, it was all shiny and shaking like the Harleys do, and you know, loud. And I just, I fell in love with it. I just, you know, was like, that's what I want. I want one of those. I want, I'm like, Dad, why don't you get one of those? Get one of those. Get one of those. (laughs) He's like, fuck those things, you know? Uh, My dad liked to go fast, and Harleys don't go fast. And um, uh, first bike I ever bought was a Triumph. I bought from my brother was a Triumph Chopper because I had to, but then the second one was a Harley Sportster. And you know, I had other bikes, but yeah, I acquired them uh, uh, under different ways. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not dirt bikes. I'm talking a street bike. I my see. first legitimate street bike <clears throat> registered my name was a Triumph Tiger six fifty seven fifty seven fifty, I think. Chopper, and then uh, then I got a Sportster, and then I, I one a year later I got a soft tail, and that was it. And and, and what what is your favorite kind of motorcycle? Uh, is it Harley or? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. My my bike now we'll call it a Harley, but it doesn't have one Harley part on it. It's uh, all aftermarket, you know, S and S and all that happy stuff to make it go faster because I still want to go fast. And how good is Ducati motorcycles? Uh, they're very good, very good, very fast. Uh, they're temperamental, though. You know, they're very things. Uh, <clears throat> things need tweaking a lot. It's not like you know you go out and grab yourself pretty much any um, 
Oriental bike, you know, and, and it's, you don't have to mess with it. I see. Unless you're racing it, then you will. But generally speaking, those things, they go so fucking fast, you know. And, it, and it's scary to know that somebody can just go and spend, you know, $15,000 and they have something that's going to go almost 200 or 200 plus. Like, that's ridiculous. And there's no thing to say, hold on a second. Unless you've passed this kind of test, you can't put that, you know. Hmm. It's crazy. They're fucking fast. And that, and I'll tell you, that's why I'm, I'm quite happy putting around on my Harley. It's fucking fast, you know. I've beat a Corvette on my Harley, but those things, you know. My brother, when I had the the Triumph, he gave me the Triumph. He bought it from a friend and and was just trying to make money because he was looking to buy this Hurricane, and he bought the Hurricane. And we were out riding together one day, hmm. and he said, "Here, take it," and I grabbed it. Fucking dumped that clutch, did a wheel stand as soon as that thing hit the ground, went through three gears, flew down the straightaway that where we lived. I looked down and I'm doing like 180. Are you serious? Came to a stop, pulled over, got off, and I'm sitting there waiting for him to come up on this old Triumph Chopper, right? Because that thing is not, you know, not going anywhere. And, uh, sitting there waiting for him shaking i'm like take it to give me away from this fucking thing you know i'll kill myself on it because i if it can do it i'll do it i'll drive for you know i like it so that was that was it i'm like eh, i'm never buying one of these fucking things ever you know i mean what what do you drive 180 just i guess only on the freeways obviously well no this was a back it's a neighborhood called bay ridge and it's it's you got a good straight shot for almost a mile wow you know But at 180 miles, you'll be done. Oh, yeah. fucking dog, a rack, yeah. you know, anything crosses the street and you're, you know, you're over. And, and and I think, Chris, you were telling me, like, so you were not on a motorcycle gang, but you were, uh, what would you were telling me? Like, you were working in Baltimore and certain, like, yeah, strip clubs? I, well, I hung out with a bunch of people with, you know, patches, whatever, yeah. clubs. I never patched out and I was offered a bunch. I was even offered out here in California back then just not you know and I, i don't know how i can say this properly uh ah, fuck it what i was doing for a living to earn my money would have dictated that i would have had to give them a percentage that i didn't feel was worth the brotherhood i see <laughs> say no more i got it <laughs> so yeah i think you know they wanted me more than I wanted them. <laughs> is this true? Because uh, this is unrelated, but um, somebody used to tell me the reason why they're called cranks because motorcyclists used to hide in the cranks of the motorcycle. No. Mm -mm. Okay. You couldn't hide anything in there. It would tear it up. Okay. It's all moving parts full of oil. But, huh. you know, I mean, easy riders, true. People used to, you know, put stuff inside the tank of the bike. Yeah. Or, you know, I mean, there are easy places to hide little bits when you're riding around, but you know, you're not huh. moving any weight on a bike. <laughs> I see. <laughs> There's not enough bike there to hold a kilo of really anything, but you know, 
I, I, I go there. I haven't been there in a while, but uh, Frankfurt, Germany, the red light district. I always wonder why, like, why is it so like peaceful and no problem? I didn't realize until later on, Hell's Angels pretty much run the place. If you cause problem, you're going to have a serious problem. So they keep the peace. You know, they're they're, they're nice guys, and uh, um, I do see them um, in Southern California. But anyway. So you're in East Coast. So how did you? Everybody's a nice guy. Yeah. Right. You, until you give them a reason not so to be. Yeah. Gives you a reason yeah. not to be a nice guy. <laughs> so how how did you make transition from this nice kid from Maryland and now you're in Southern California? No, I was I was a bad kid in Maryland. I did all my bad. How can I? All right. Uh, when I got into the business and when I came out here, I, I was sober. Mm-hmm. All that stuff I did when you, I was younger. I got in very young, hanging around the bad people, very young. So I was raised by it. You know, that was my upbringing. That's what I did. That's, you know, here and there. And then uh, once I got out here and got into porn, I was, you know, sober, if you will. But, you know, I was still crazy and trying to find my way and what I was going to do out here. And I stepped into this job and got the offer. And uh, I called my mom and said, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing, but if you're going to disown me, I won't do it. And her exact words were, well, at least this is legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, I just interviewed Stephen St. Croix uh, maybe two weeks ago. He told me he was getting so much trouble. I think six months before he graduated from high school, his mom sent him to visit, I don't know, vacation or something, one-way ticket to Albuquerque. He didn't realize it. I think he, she basically said, you, you, you got to get out of here. You got to here, yeah. Yeah, just, and like he went, he went to Albuquerque because I guess years ago his dad hang out in Albuquerque for a little bit, but he didn't know anyone. But that's how he, you know, just get the fuck out of East Coast. And I think he's from Connecticut or something. I wouldn't have stayed sober if I had stayed home, for sure, because there was too many people. And I would have been in jail, mm-hmm. for sure. The, the cops, um, I was in a very large bust, and, and yeah. I, I got off, and uh, they had a hard on for me, and, you know, so that's when I decided, all right, it's done. Okay. You know, and I was, you know, uh, the girl I was dating, and she partied too, and, and she was going to school, getting ready to graduate to be an accountant. Yeah. You know, and wanted to get married and have kids and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I got to do something to flip this. Yeah. So it was time, you know. So you left... Maryland, but where did you go? You went straight to California, or uh... well, I got in a truck. I I, I needed a job. Yeah. Right? So I went. I had um. Uh, I had five years probation, and I had to take P test every Monday and Friday, and I went to school to be a tractor trailer driver. Yeah. Okay. So when I got out, um, I couldn't get a job everywhere I went. Because I had a drug conviction, this huge, huge drug conviction and uh, a felony and all that happy crap. So then after I, I did all my probation and, you know, my first two years supervised, three years on, and then uh, I went back in front of the judge and I'm like, look, I, I'm appealing to you to get a probation before judgment so that I can get this off my record because, you know, I've done everything you've asked, but I can't get a job. I, I went to the school, you know. Yeah. And the judge is like, well, 
you know, why? We've been chasing you around for years and, you know, we know you, we know your family. Sure. You know, why, why am I going to give you this gift, right, of a clean slate again? And he's like, what's in it for me? And I'm like, anything you want, I don't care. And he's like, you better be careful. And I'm like, no, I don't, whatever you want. I'm not going back. And uh, he goes, okay, I want 10 years probation. They can be unsupervised so you can, you know, go around. Yeah. But 10 years. And he goes, and understand, you come back in front of me, you're going to do the full 15 years that you were supposed to do on your charge. Yeah. You're going to do five years for violating your probation because whatever brings you back in front of me. And when you violate, you have to go back in front of the same judge. Right. Right. And he goes, and I'll get your case for whatever you did that brought you here. He goes, so before you say yes, you're looking at 20 to 25 years minimum. Are you sure you want this deal? And I'm like, yep. And he goes, take a moment. I'm like, I don't need a moment. Done. Yeah. It's over, you know. Uh, two of my best friends had died in that first two years. One six months in and then one like a year later. So I was like, nah, I'm done with drugs. I'm, you know, that was, that was it. Didn't, didn't matter. And uh, he gave me the probation and everything. And how many years ago was that, if you don't mind asking? <sighs> that would have been about 1990, 91 is when I got the, 91 is when he greenlighted me. Oh. You know, and said, okay. So then I got a job being in Annapolis hauling boats, yachts, giant, like, you know, 100 foot long, 20, uh, 16 feet wide. Yeah. Big fucking oh. boats on the back of tractor trailers. And I did that for five years, and I went everywhere. Went all uh, there's really not a road in this country I haven't been. The only, uh, Oregon is the only state I've never been in. Is that right? That's it. I've been everywhere else. And in general, I can put myself twenty to twenty-five miles from where anybody ever grew up or ever spent time, mm -hmm. and I know something about that area because I spent time there. We, uh, with boats, you have to stop at dark, and some states won't let you drive during the weekends. Oh, wait, so these rich owners, you would transport this boat for them? Right. <laughs> or if somebody sold a yacht, or uh, Beneteau, one of the biggest uh, uh, really nice boats out of South Carolina, you know, brand new from the factory. Yeah. Right here, Catalina. I don't know if you've ever been by there on, uh, excuse me, <coughs> down by Canoga and like Van Owen, yeah. there's a boat factory. It's called Catalina, right there by that Home Depot. I didn't know that. Yeah, Catalina. It's named after the island. And it's a real, it's, it's a decent boat, decent sailboat. It's up there. Um, so boats got to move. And then you have racing, just like cars. There, uh, we had a contract to move most of the, <clears throat> it's called J-Series. These little boats, and they race all over, and we used to move them around like crazy. I remember going to France years ago, and I was visiting my friend's sister in um, in Cannes, and I took a day trip to um, Monaco, and and uh, I took a bus there, and there was two nice American couples in front of me, and when when I start talking to them, and before they left, they gave me one of those VIP pass to like a boat show. Now these are not, you know. Right, guys who are like Al Bundy's and buy their small boat. I mean, these are like a he heavy industrial boats, and like 
the rich shake from Middle East or Japanese industrials yeah. or billionaire people. And I, I couldn't believe just the luxury of the, these are like a massive boat that's millions of dollars, you know? Mm -hmm. And they even had one where you could land a helicopter in one of those things, you know? <laughs> and yeah, I was yeah. like, so I walked in and yeah, it was crazy. Like they're offering free champagne. You're just gonna walk around. I'm just some broke ass kid 12, 14 years ago. But yeah, those boats are, I have to say, yeah. pretty impressive oh, yeah. and um so you you were um traveling so you, you must be deal with uh rich people and maybe politicians are getting to buy those oh, things. Yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah and um what were they what, what were they most were like i mean pretty nice or uh, for the most part uh sailboaters uh, how do you say this Sailboaters are cheap. We call them blowboaters, right? Because it's the wind. Powerboaters got money because it costs money to put gas in that motor and get it out there. Huh. So, and they tend to be more happy-go-lucky, you know. You know, the sailboater's going to walk around everything, look at everything. Sure. You know, and then tell you have a nice day. The powerboater's going to... But, you know, sit there and wait for it to come off, get on the boat, you know, start the engine, make sure it works, come over, slap a hundred dollar bill in your hand, tell you to come on into the yacht club and, you know, let me let me get you a good good steak. Yeah. You know, you brought my boat all this way and everything's fine. Come on, let me treat you, buddy. You know. You're like, okay. Did you meet anybody? Famous? I had a guy in Florida. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I had a guy in Florida. I took his boat down. He put me up in a hotel because I couldn't get the next boat for the weekend, and it was in the Keys. And he's like, oh, so what are you doing? I'm like, I got nothing to do. I'm stuck here until I can load up on Monday over here. And he's like, well, where are you staying? <laughs> Pointing to the truck. Yeah. <laughs> right there. He's like, what? You're just going to stay in this marina in the back of your truck for the weekend? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, hell no. Come on. Put me in an oceanfront condo. Oh, wow. Like a little hotel thing. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you know, super luxury, but it was like open up the sliding doors and there's the fucking ocean, you know. Pool, beach area, everything. Took me to dinner that night. Fucking nice guy. Man. Yeah, those you those group of people definitely have money and uh yeah mm -hmm. they want mm -hmm. they're really concerned with the leisure and uh having a great time so yeah yeah so you you, you did that for five years then mm -hmm. and it brought me out here so what brought you over here uh, i dropped the boat off in oxnard california i was see the first time i went to california and you loved it right i love that the weather is good all year round. The mountains and the ocean are right next to each other. We have it in Maryland, but our mountains aren't as tall, right? And then our ocean and our mountain is five hours apart, mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know? Now, growing up, two and a half hour drive, we were snow skiing. Yeah. Two and a half hour drive, where toes are in the sand at the beach. You know, here, you know, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's fucking beautiful. You know, and I just thought, yeah. Most people who, who were born and raised here, they have no idea how lucky they are. Because I spent three months in Sweden last winter. Holy fuck, man. We only get four or five hours of sun and it's just freezing. Fuck that. No. <laughs> and so, then, uh, so at that time, I was dating this stripper. 
from Baltimore and, you know, doing the biker thing. And uh, she was in a strip bar and there was two different gangs and they were fighting and she liked to move around anyway. Yeah. Like being with me was probably the longest time she'd ever stayed in one town yeah. ever. And uh, I was out on the road. She saw some shit go down. And she's like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I want to leave. What I just saw was, you know, horrid. And I'm worried, you know. And uh, so I'm like, okay, fuck it. I had a buddy of mine lived in Santa Barbara. He said, you know, come on. You can stay with me until you find a place to stay. You know, she was a stripper, so I wasn't worried about, you know, not making money. And at that point... When we were deciding to leave, and I had to do, do a couple of things uh, before I could go, um, I actually wrecked a truck. Uh, it was my only crash ever, and I rolled a, a tractor trailer on the Cross Bronx Expressway in New York City and went out through the windshield and literally surfed down the road on the windshield. Um, and that's when I was like, okay, well, ain't nothing holding me here. Right. So... You know, I can go to the doctor there like I can go to the doctor here. So the first two years I was in California, I didn't even have to work. I couldn't work, even if I wanted to. So you were like a disability. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And you so were it was in cool. All my friends came out and visited, and they're like, let's go to Yosemite. I'm like, yeah, I've never been. Okay, so I was like a tour guide, you know, and seeing things for the first time myself. And, uh, you know, then one day they're like, you got to start, you, you know, thinking about what you want to do because they said I could never drive a truck again. Wow. I, I could drive it, but part of driving is loading. Yeah. I have four herniated discs in my back. So they're like, no, you're not. And that's it. And then they pulled the medical too. And I thought that was wrong because the doctor said that uh, I could have gotten you know, a percentageable increase better, but as soon as they knew I couldn't drive, they said, we don't care. That's it. Pull all the funding. They said they'd pay me to go to school again to retrain me. Right. To do something. And uh, uh, so I said, okay. And I took some uh, family counseling, drug and alcohol counseling, stuff like that. You know, because at that point, you know, probably would have been like six, seven years sober. So sounded like a viable option. Yeah. You know. Most, so most sober people go, oh, I'll get into counseling. It's... It, it's pretty you know that kind of thing right not me so when that didn't work out uh i got an opportunity to open a bar so i opened a bar <laughs> so in santa barbara or where, where did in, you in in ventura, ventura. i couldn't afford santa barbara and santa barbara was too i didn't want to live in la but um i wanted to be close enough because of concerts i love concerts i've been to thousands and thousands of concerts you know grateful dead alone i've seen well over probably three, four hundred times. Jesus. Just that one band, you know. On oh, no wonder you work. <laughs> you know. So for me, I can't, Santa Barbara is too far to go to L.A. for a show. Not yeah. much stuff goes up there. Ventura, a little more, again, blue collar as, as opposed to, you know, white Santa Barbara stuffy, you know. Beautiful town, but, you know, for who I was at that point in my life, nah. That's a nice midpoint. Like you're like a little over yeah. hour to LA, a little yeah. over hour to uh, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you opened this bar, and um, how long did you own it and work there for? Uh, almost a year. We almost made a year. Yeah, but Ventura is a, a clicky little town, and I, I had no idea. I thought I come from the East Coast. Yeah, right. Bars make money. Even, they they open late too in the East Coast, and and people drink. Like you're chasing people out as they're finishing their last. You know, they're mm-hmm. swallowing, walking out the door. Right. That's how we do. Last call, and you're yelling. Yeah, yeah. And uh, out here, I had no idea. Your number one competition for the bar is the environment. It's the beach. It's the mountains. People go out with their families and do shit on the weekends. Then they're like, well, we're, we're done. We're not, you know. When somebody goes to a bar, they go to a bar for a reason. If they see a band, they're showing up Literally right before. before and then as soon as the band's over, they leave. They yeah. leave. Don't, do you find that to be true? Yeah. I had no idea. I got a guy who gave me a liquor license for 10 fucking grand. All right. And then a bar, I didn't need to use the bar that he had, yeah. but it was available and it was a cool area. And I thought I was going to, you know, do some improvements. And I did. Um, and I'm like, dude, I, dude I, I just hit the fucking lotto. Like, I mean, I'm in this thing 25 grand. You know, and then we put like another 80 into <coughs> updating all the machinery and the sound system because I wanted sure. bands. I wanted live music, you know, but had no idea how Californians were, how they didn't drink. On a Thursday night is when I would let the little local new bands didn't have much of a following. Yeah. Kind of did like the Hollywood thing, right? Not pay to play, but I told them. You know, you can perform here. You can perform here. Get all your little friends to come and see and everything. And, you know, figuring if I had four or five of them, that would get me, you know, 30, 40 people in the bar. Sure. Good enough. And I did a thing where um, I shortened the glass to a 10 ounce glass. And uh, you paid five bucks to get in. And then it was 25 cent draft all night. If I did that in Maryland, yeah, I would need bouncers outside of my bar keeping people <laughs> yeah. away. Okay, I couldn't get anybody in there. They just don't. It's not what they do. Yeah, you know, it's and, probably because most people drive here too in the East Coast, like New York City. I and mean, Ventura is just yeah. a weird town. Yeah, it's just a little clicky little weird town. You know, it's very segregated and, and it's people you know and um so after that bellied up I, i'm like okay let's go down to la want to get away from this you know so you went you went to la it's up when you how i mean how did you get into the business i mean it's when i tell you it's a fluke it's a fluke okay so i uh, went to la my brother was living down here working uh, in this photoshop and uh I stayed with him on his couch for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, old school guy that I am, grabbed the paper, you know, because this is before internet, this is before Craigslist, yeah. all that shit, right? So I'm circling jobs in the paper, and they're like, okay, selling cars in uh, um, Vermont Chevrolet right there in, in Koreatown. Uh, there was a job, and I'm like, Dude, I'm I'm a Chevy guy through and through. Yeah. Like, um, every car but the one my mom forced me to buy was a Chevy. I, you know, 
that was it. I'm like, I got this job. So it was just something I knew I could do. Right. You know, easy. I can sell. Walked in, got the job. Bang. Did it. Was there a year. Year. Eh, something like that. Um, and one of the days, uh, I was at a magazine store and I picked up an AVN. <laughs> okay. And I walked in and I threw it in my drawer, you know. And uh, one of the other salesmen saw it. And he said, uh, let me check it out. And he's like, man, I always wanted to make a porno movie. You know, and I'm like, yeah, me too, man. I always wanted to. And um, the stripper that I came out here with, she wanted to do magazine work. Yeah. And we're like, okay, well, let's try to find it. And we were looking through the LA Weekly, and it took us to the lovely Mr. Jim South's office. Right? Everybody knows Jim. It's on uh, Van Nuys Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? So we go there to sign her up, you know, because he's the agent to do magazine work. And then you walk in there and you see all the the photos on the walls are all porn girls. Obviously, I knew who they were. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And by the way, for the listener, that's where, you know, Tom Byron's and Tracy Lords, all the big names, all the legends. He was the only, there was only two agents back then. Who was the other one? I, I didn't know. Uh, I want to say Bayer, and I don't even know if it's Bayer. I can't remember. I mean, Gene Saffold was the big, I mean, you know, he. Jim yeah. was, and then the other guy was on Santa Monica Boulevard. God, well, and I, I think it was Bayer or something. Bayer, I would have to ask. Julia would know or somebody like that. But um Well, just like that. So it was a casual conversation and you went down no, there. No, no, she was a stripper. She wanted to yeah. do that. So we walked in. She signed up. Um she didn't do anything. She one guy freaked her out and and she left. And she didn't, you know, that was it. But uh I was like, Wow, you do porn stuff too? And they're like, Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Well, okay. And you gotta understand back then mm -hmm. I had hair down to my yeah. right above my ass goatee to yeah. about here you know yeah <laughs> and uh i'm like well we could probably do that together me and her together <laughs> and jim's like yeah son well you know they probably just want the girl they just, <laughs> just want the girl you know yeah. you know and then she's like oh don't worry he's he's, he's swinging he can handle it let yeah. me tell you and she's like he's like yeah well let, let's see where the nude modeling goes first and yeah. we'll go from there so we're like all right and nothing, like I said, nothing ever, but I knew where the office was. Yeah. All right. So then that my buddy from Santa Barbara was going to um, Brooks Institute of Photography up in Santa Barbara. That's why he was there. I see. Learning to be a photographer. And uh, exercising my back, I would go up and meet him, and we'd go hiking up in the mountains and walking, you know, Seven Falls and Red Rock and all that stuff up there. And uh, just I would just pick his brain about what you know what he learned and what he did because I've always liked photography. But, yeah, I mean, and you're one of the best in the business. Thank you, thank you. They, that's what everybody says. But you know, um, I'm self-taught. All I you know I used to have <laughs> all these pictures in my other house of all the national parks that mm -hmm. I went to, and I took photos, but it was all in like auto. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't know anything. And he would tell me different stuff. And uh, one day he says, well, if you ever want to get into it, this is the place to buy everything. And he threw me down a B&H photo book, a catalog back, you know, a big yeah. catalog back then. So I knew where to get all the equipment. So then I'm like, really, you want to do something? Okay, well, 
you know, I know where to get the equipment. I know where to get the girls. I've seen enough pornos. I can make a porno. I yeah. Can, I can do this. I can do it. Okay. Well, he goes, well, well, let's see what we got. We'll try to figure it out. Right. So I did a rough estimate, not really knowing too much about prices on people or anything. Did my research with a bunch more AVN magazines. Right? Yeah. Look in. All right. There's a picture of Tommy Byron holding a camera, that VX1000. That's <laughs> yes. the camera I need. Okay. B&H says that camera's, you know, 1500 bucks. All right. So there you go. There you go. There you go. And uh, added it all up. And we figured we needed 10 grand. What year is this? No, uh, this would be 95. Oof. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, so he's like, all right, let me see. Let me see what I can hustle up, all right? And um, I didn't have much. I mean, we were, we were car salesmen. Neither one of us had much, you know? And we were car salesmen in Koreatown where we're not allowed to sell to Koreans. You're not? No. Uh-uh. Only Koreans could deal with Koreans. We could have the whites, Latinos, and African-Americans. They literally, that's why the, the camera was off earlier, they literally called us a round-eye department. Yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and you want to talk about some racist shit? They'd announce, oh, yeah. it, they'd announce it over the loudspeaker, right? If, if we're doing a deal or maybe you're in the bathroom or whatever, and one of the people that we could serve, because the Koreans couldn't sell our people, they own, they had there, right? Yeah. They get on the loudspeaker and go, round eye on the floor, round eye on the floor. Yeah. Right? And then you had to go up. And I'm like, I'm just sitting there like, that's some racist shit. I'm like, oh well, it's LA. What do I know? Well, I mean, I always tell my my I always tell people like Asian you have no idea the level of racism with Asian people. You know, we have all kinds of names for people, but Oh yeah. man, watching those Koreans make car deals. Yeah. Dude, they jump up, leaning over the thing, screaming at each other. And then all of a sudden go, okay, okay. Yeah. And then that was the deal. Like, I'm going to fight you as hard as I can for that lowest price. And then once I hit it, I go, okay, I believe you. Okay, that's it. You know. So you, anyway. So you, so literally the, everything started with money earned through call sales. And well, no. Uh, he tried to get some. He couldn't. So I hit my brother up. And he was out here and he was doing some sideways shit. Yeah. Came into some cash. And I'm like, look, this is what we're doing, man. You should jump in this. And my original company was called Sleaze Brothers Productions. And it was two uh, uh, buff-looking biker guys, you know, with tattoos and yeah. shit. And, uh, but they had skulls for heads and uh, glasses on, right? Like biker glasses, you know? And my thought was, I'm going to make biker porn. Right, you got to stay close to home. Right, you know, I never saw it before. They didn't do much, so I wanted to make more biker stuff. And I had a grand idea about this. I'm like, look, you could take that to Sturges, and you could have a, a booth there with the girls and make a calendar and stuff you yeah. could sell, right? And order forms for the movies. Maybe have a couple of movies there and integrate these two, because here's a place where everybody's topless, flashing strippers. Oh, for sure, like it just. I'm like, okay, th this can work. This is one of the areas where you can market porn, which is hard to market porn before the internet. Right. Okay. And I just thought the swag, man. You know what I mean? Like, I was going to have, uh, you know, the biker thing, uh, the Sleaze Brothers, like that. Yeah. And say, you know, support your local pornographer instead of support your local 
Hell's Angel or, you know, whatever they say, you know, like the different motorcycles. For sure. Have support shirts. I was going to do support your local pornographer and, you know, it ain't easy being sleazy. Yeah. So, stuff like that. So when you started filming, it, you filmed... Uh, my first five movies were under that label. But, um, so it was brothers because I was, you know, I wanted my brother to come in with me. Yeah. And uh, he just said, nah, he, he wasn't into it, you know, uh, doling out the money. So, car lesson. <laughs> It'll be brief. Selling cars. Uh, my bouncer from my bar when it closed, okay? He was hustling too. So, when you go to, we were doing what's called curbing cars. You come in to me and you say, okay, I want to buy this, da da da. And I tell you, your trading's only worth a grand. And you're like, fuck you, I want two grand for it. And then I go, okay, well, look, it ain't worth two grand. It's worth more than a grand, but, you know, the asshole behind the booth wants to get it as cheap as he can. I got a guy that's going to buy it from you, and he'll give you 1600 bucks for it, cash money. Yeah. But just come back and buy the car from me, the car that you want. And he's like, really? Okay, yep. Here's his card. You call him. He's going to come meet you. He'll buy the car. Right. Just um, step of faith here. Come back and purchase this Buick or whatever it is that you want to buy. Right. right. Bang, so my guy, my old bouncer, you know, he was hustling. So I'd call him up and go, yo, this, here's what I got here. You know, it looks decent, looks solid. They want to give him 2,500 bucks. He went, you know, whatever, boom. So uh, we've been doing that and he calls me and I'm all pissed off. He's like, God, I ain't got fuck off for you. I ain't got shit, you know, da -da. He's like, what's the matter, man? And I told him, you know, my brother's got this dough. You know, I've always looked after him my whole life and this cocksucker won't, you know, he doesn't believe in it. Mm -hmm. And he's like, you off this weekend? I'm like, yeah. He goes, come up here, let's talk. Okay, so I go up there, I talk to him, tell him everything, show him everything, this is what we're doing. He goes, all right, here's the deal. He goes, how much has that, the other salesman got? I said, he's got like two grand, that's it. He goes, well, I don't know him and I don't give a fuck about him. He goes, you, I saw you run that bar. I know what you can do. He goes, I never seen anybody work as hard as you. He goes, I'll give you all the money you need, but it's me and you, 50-50. Fuck him and fuck your brother. And yeah. I'm like, yep. I, well, my brother wasn't going to put in anyway. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, all right, done. That's it. Boom. Got it. Went off and uh, I made road hard and put away wet. Had no idea where I was going to sell it. Had, you know, never done anything, never, you know. So uh, start shopping it around and that's what brought me to Fallen Angel. It was Luke Wilder, who was an old biker dude from the East Coast yeah. as well, right outside of Jersey, right? So we kind of hit it off. And did he make sometimes like uh, thinking man's porn? It's just, it was a sophisticated movie, right? Like he had a reputation being a smart guy and, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did, you know, he, he did nice stuff for, you know, the budgets he had. Yeah. You know. He and I definitely learned from him how to stretch the dollar and, and where to spend it. Right, a good location is makes stuff all of a sudden look nice. This is amazing, man. Whenever I hear yeah. stories like the first convention that we have was 1999, then four years later I started working for Evil Angel. But like for you to just you know, <laughs> I made a movie. I yeah. dude, I burnt Alexander's balls, man. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. We bought lights from Home Depot yeah. and put a, 
um, <laughs> a daylight balance photography yeah. bulbs inside. But what happens is when a piece of sweat hits that bulb because of the gas inside that makes it blue, yeah, fucking it shatters and it fuck like, oh god. It learned a lot from the first movie, but but Ray still like or sorry Luke still liked it. So uh, you know and liked the concept. He got what I got. And and, and, and how did it sell? And, and he said, well, here's what he said. You know, I was looking just to sell it outright or whatever. Yeah. And he goes, I just started this Fallen Angel. You know and yeah. He's like, why don't you own it? I take a percentage and you do it. And it, it did okay. It didn't do, you know, didn't break any records. My problem was I released my movie two weeks after Anabolic got sued by Harley Davidson oh. for shooting in their thing and had to recall all the pieces. And we all know what a pain in the ass is when you have to recall anything. Yeah. And you have to deal with the accounting nightmare that's involved in that. So after that, porno buyers, as the distributor buyers, right? IVD, all yeah, those yeah. guys, were just like, yeah, we don't want anything that's got anything to do with bikes and Harleys. Fuck. And Bad timing. Jesus. Just, just horrible timing on my part. <clears throat> um, but they didn't, you know, because we were like, look, there's no logos on here. There's no nothing. It, it's clean, you know. And, and they... I did okay for, you know, and the, the distribution that Luke Wilder had at that company at that time, you know, I did a little less than his standard numbers, right? Because okay. every company, you mean, you know, the business, right? Every company has, yeah. you know, that company sells about that much, that much, that much. But this is amazing for somebody just jumping in at that spot, you know, right, right. you know, the fact my, that you... My saving grace was my photographer friend yeah. from Santa Barbara got a job working for Biker Magazine, Easy Rider, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Over here. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> they stopped advertising adult movies for years. Right. They just said, we're getting away from this. We're cleaning up our image, right? And then uh, but all of a sudden, after my second movie, he goes, I might be able to get you an ad if you want an ad. And I'm like, what? I can't afford that, dude. Print print's expensive. And he goes, I might be able to get you an ad, and I might be able to get you the, the brother deal on it. And I'm like, all right, let me see. And he did, and he gave me a deal that I still don't know how I got uh, quarter page, half page. Half page. Half a page? <clears throat> half a page. I'm not saying this out loud because I don't want to get anybody fired. Oh, wow. But it was a gift. Yeah. It was a gift. And the response must have been crazy, right? I mean... Uh, well, I got more jail mail than I ever thought I'd see in my <laughs> life. <laughs> and that includes the time I spent in jail. <laughs> man, 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 did I get jail mail. But I mean, but you're selling... Oh, Wood, I'm getting out in five. I'm going to look you up. I'm going to fuck these oh. bitches for you. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but you were selling videos, but they, they still have. They were able to buy those movies in yep. jail. They, no, no, not in jail. Uh, but I'm saying they would. They got the subscription, ah. so it had the ad. So they would, you know, write, you know. And um, I remember working for Evil Angel. It was the same thing when you used to sell Batman magazine. Holy oh. fuck, man! It's like ninety-five percent of people writing for, for something right. correction, it says something right on yeah. the thing. So you already know it says from the correction, but um, but yeah. So 
I ended up selling more of my product for full retail through the mail order, which I knew nothing about. Yeah. And that was even, you know, a thing. Uh, it was slow and steady. And it's what kept me alive while I was trying, you know, because it wasn't enough. Once I quit my job, I'm like, dude, I can't pay my things. And, yeah. And then uh, one of the people I met was Angela D'Angelo at Jim's house office. And uh, I had my bike. I rode my bike. And she came in. She's like, uh, I had a, a pair of bibs, Dickie bibs, and a wife beater and everything. And she, you know, I had my helmet sitting there. And she's like, that's your bike out front? I'm like, yeah. She goes, that's badass. You're taking me for a ride. I'm like, all right, I'll take you for a ride. You know, no, no problem. And she's like, no, right now. Come on. You're going. I want to go on the back of that motherfucker. I'm like, okay, girl, calm down. <laughs> so we, we went out for a ride. We didn't do anything, you know, didn't, you know, just took her for a ride on it and then uh, stayed in contact. And she needed uh, a place to, uh, to uh, entertain clients. Yeah. And I had a double floor apartment so she could come and go out of this one door rather discreetly. And if it was not for her, I would not still be here in this business because there were months where uh, they used to laugh and call me the $200 man because no matter what you wanted, hey, man, they need somebody to do lights, 200 bucks. Oh, yeah. they need a photographer. They need a video guy. They need, you know, oh, fucking whoever can't pop, man. Is anybody here can pop? I'm like, 200 bucks, 200 yeah. bucks, 200 <laughs> bucks, right? Yeah. And... uh I wasn't making it between that, the little orders and everything. And, uh, you know, because I was still making movies. So I'd scrounge up, shoot a scene, do whatever, scrounge up more money, shoot a scene. And then when I got enough, put a movie out. right? Yeah. And then that would suck up a bunch of money. So uh, there was days when I would come home and walk over to my jewelry case and open it up and see a couple bills there and know that Angela was came over to the house. I'm like, oh, I can pay rent, thank God. <laughs> you know? Like struggling, struggling. Yeah. You know? Um, Cause a lot of, I thank her and I do so many favors for her. She takes advantage of me because she knows that, it, you know, I really have to thank her for everything she did. Because many of my idiot friends think, um, um, you know, they see, the, you know, they see a guy like Manuel Ferreira thinking mm -hmm. that's how typical guy in adult business you know like no, manuel is not a typical uh, guy no and it's just, it's just it's, <laughs> he's not a typical human <laughs> no, it's, it's just much like our friend papa holmes <laughs> yes They're, those guys are really our freak of nature and but i mean there's, there's actually a lot of work in bob you know like um i had my difference with evil angel but like even, even it was so stressful when i used to work for stelliano because i i they used to make us do box cover and stuff you know and like you never realize how much work involved, which pictures to pick. John will get mad at like, that's not a good picture, you know. You got in the he'll he'll make me go through all the photos, you know, and like that kind of attention to detail is the reason why he's so successful, you know. And uh, um, so it's, it's just a lot of work. It's, it's not like fun with the naked girls running around all the time. Like when I saw you last time, you're running around working, putting the lights and rearranging cameras, and you know. And yeah, there should have been three two two people doing that possibly three yeah and you were doing all that by yourself yeah and you barely made it to your vacation going to airport because they got you know production went so late right you know i and, almost did miss it I yeah was, yeah i wasn't happy about that but i made it so 
That was cool. Great time too. Wow, what a great festival. <laughs> so, you know, so you were doing that. Then after, when did you, how long did it take you to realize like, wow, I'm, I'm really good at this. You know, like I know what I'm doing. All right, well, my very first scene, I didn't do anything. I looked at a monitor and directed. Yeah. I had my photographer buddy shoot the stills. Um, I had a guy I met at a dirty bookstore who was going to film school to run the camera. Okay. You know, because we bought all the gear. And I just directed, right? Um, I had a little bit of experience running pictures, like I said, and I had a little experience with the camera because I used to uh, bootleg concerts. Yeah. You know, with a video camera. And, and I was really good at it. Like, there was magazines just dedicated to that. Sure. And I was, you know, highly rated. You know, I got, they said I got the second best Bob Dylan bootleg ever made. Really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's really hard on it to get a camera in and to do it back in the day and everything, which I think is part of my karma. Because <laughs> now we're getting fucking bootlegged and oh yeah and everything. But anyway, so okay, um, it wasn't like I sold them. I did them for myself, you know. But they got out there. As soon as you give a copy to somebody and then a copy and a copy and, you know. And you got in 95. That still was a gravy years, you gravy know. Gravy years, good years. But I got in the bottom, man. I got in the thing. And so, like I told you about Alex Sanders and how we, we burnt his nutsack. That day he turned around to me and he says, okay, here, I'm going to give you the number. This guy, Scott, go to him. He was over in Canoga at the time, not mm -hmm. where he is now. And he goes... First of all, your fucking lights. <laughs> He's like, get this little suitcase thing. You can sneak it in and out of yeah. places, blah, blah, blah. And I went in and I got that lighting kit that he told me to get. And that started my relationship with Scott. And I followed him wherever he went and bought everything I could from him, you know. And uh, um, he showed me a few things, but quickly I learned, no, I don't want to, you know, I want to do the, like this. And um, so slowly I'm... I'm trying, and, and I had a bad day on set. This is still my first movie. And um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to approach it. So I called Alex. Wait, what, what was the problem? Um, I just wasn't happy with what they were doing, the way they were doing, the way uh, she was, you know, yeah. she wasn't opening, you know. And I didn't know. I'd only shot one scene. Right. I'd seen, but I didn't know. <clears throat> you know, and... Um, so what I did was, I called him and I said, man, can I come out and just watch you shoot one day? I just want to see how you interact with the talent. I want to know what's acceptable. Yeah. Can I go over to the girl and grab her and go, no, arch like this. No, put, you know, like, like I don't know what's appropriate and what's not. I'm yeah. going to walk and grab a girl and be like, sexual harassment, you know. I, I had no idea. And he goes, oh, man, uh, fucking, I'm like, dude. I won't say a word. I won't bother anybody. I'm not, you know, creepy dude. I just, here's what happened. And, and I just want to see what, you know, from a different perspective. This is actually a good good request because it's not like you go to film school and right. make porn. You right, know? Yeah. right. So, and then Alex is like, you know what? All right, fine. I said, look, I'll work. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm not worried about that. I just, you know, and he was nice. He said, okay. So, uh, we, he took me on set, and this guy, Al, was shooting over here. I got to see that, and he was shooting over there, and 
Who, who, which company was this? Do you remember? Um, Al, he used to work for a lot of different companies. He had his own product through All Good, and then but he would work for different people and, and make mm-hmm. movies, as you know, hustling. Um, so I don't know where this was, but it was one of Alana Evans's first shoots ever. Oh, I and, know her. And yeah. she was still with uh, this black guy at the time. Not sure if they were married, but I think they were. But they only worked together. I knew that. And um, he couldn't get wood. And uh, so Alex said, well, here's the deal. Okay. I can jump in the scene. She'll get paid. He goes, you can stay in the scene. And if you get hard, you can fuck. And if not, just, you know, keep getting blown. And if you can pop, you'll get paid. If you can't pop, you ain't getting paid. Right. You know. One of the oldest rule of the business. Right. Or if you want to leave the scene and I just do the scene. Yeah. And he goes, no, I'm going to stay involved. Okay. And he turned to me and says, okay, great. That's what I'm going to do. And he grabbed the camera and went like that and handed it to me. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, just shoot it. And I'm like, man, I've never shot anything. You know, I've done, you know, the concert shit, but not this. And he's like, yeah, but you've seen a million porns, right? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, just fucking shoot it. Right. Okay. So two weeks later, I get a call. He's in the editing bay. And he said, you're telling me you've never picked up a camera, never shot anything before. And I'm like, yep. And he goes, you're great. Like, what do you mean? He goes, no, it's perfect. The movement, the fluid. He's like... There's not one thing I would have told you to do that you didn't do that it was a don't do nothing. He goes, you're a thousand times better than the guy I pay. And I said, well, I'm for hire. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I got to be loyal to my guy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, hey, if he ever gets sick, you give me a call. I'm there. So that's when I knew I could do camera. So then he goes, yeah, your guy that you had doing camera when you, you know, that you were paying when I was directing, he yeah. goes, you don't, you don't fucking need him. He goes, do it, do it yourself. Okay, and I did. I, so then I was doing that, and uh, my I had another photographer because my buddy couldn't make it, and I I got into that because I just wasn't happy, you know, the angles they were getting, what I, you know, it just it wasn't good. So then I got into taking my own photos. So then one day um, <clears throat> we were at the office, and there was another director there, and we were going, you know, looking at my images. Uh, with with Luke for the box, you know, and he came in. He's like, "Wow, these are great photos. Who took them?" I'm like, "I did." And he's like, "Really? Like, what do you charge?" I'm like, two hundred dollars." Wait, <laughs> so did you randomly came up with that number? Uh, it was low enough that you would give somebody new a shot mm-hmm. because the rate was back then was three to three fifty for a cameraman, three to three fifty for a video guy. Yeah. That's pretty much what you got paid. Right. You know, so I thought, you don't know me, you don't know my work, you don't know nothing, you're not going to give me a shot. Right. 200 bucks? That's reasonable. Right. Because if I said 300, well, I can get these people I know for 300. For 350, that's that's the good guys. Yeah. That's Barry Woods. You know, they were that money. Three, I can still get these guys. But no, 200. No, 200, nobody was going to work for 200. You know? So this is like your. I'm not married. I didn't have kids. I didn't have nothing. I had an apartment that I share. You know, roommate, two bedroom. You know, so my, you know my monthly nut was probably eighteen hundred bucks a month. So I just you know needed to 
to cover it, just get, keep me going. So 200 bucks, man. So you're kind of learning on the job too, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah. And then I did a lot of, lot of, lot of work for Luke Wilder for free. Uh, he paid me when he could, what he could. Um, he was always nice, but you know, he was like, you want to learn? You want to learn? Come out. I can use your help. If you want to help, uh, you know, understand, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I, and I did, and I, I didn't bother me at all, no matter what, he, what, you know, what he wanted me to do. You know? And, how it's funny, nobody does that. Nobody would do that, man. Nobody would work for free, you know? But if I wasn't doing anything that day, what am I doing? I might as well get out and learn something. Yeah. And Jerry T threw me off of his set the first day he met me. I was going to see that same director, Sean Ricks, because he was his cameraman. And he said, come meet me out here on set. Da, da, da. I'll introduce you to some people. I said, okay. Well... Um, they weren't, they were in between takes and they had came out, and, you know, they're talking or whatever. Jerry was over there behind the monitor and he's like, yeah, just everybody's in there. Go on in there. I'll be in in a minute. I got to go pee. So I opened up the door. This was Ron Vogel's old studio. You know, that, I don't know if you ever went there, but I opened up this door and there was a table and it was a gypsy scene, right? So they had a hole cut in the table with a light underneath it and a big crystal ball to make it glow. <laughs> yeah. right? I'd never been on a movie like this, and this is lights and everything's yeah. everywhere. So I'm in, I'm looking like, okay, well, that light's doing that, that light's, and then I saw the table, right, with the crystal balls glowing, and what? I walk over and I picked up the crystal ball and I looked inside to see how they did that, yeah. and, you know, and then turned around and walked, and all of a sudden he comes walking over. He's like, who the fuck is that? And, John's like, oh, that's my buddy. Get him. Yeah, we're working here. There ain't no time for social life. Get him the <laughs> fuck off my set. Right? Years later, Jerry told me, he said, I saw what you were doing. And he said, uh-uh. Uh-uh. He's like, I knew you'd make it. You, you, just by the way you were looking around at stuff. He's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, Chris, can I take, uh, take a pause? I got to go to the bathroom. Oh, sure. Yes. Thanks. All right, we're, we're back. Um... So, um, um, I don't know, I, I, when did you start working with Jules, Jordan? Uh, for those of you listening to the show, if you're not familiar, Jules is absolutely one of the biggest giants in the business. And, you know, for you to pick up, that say a lot about your quality of work, right? I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah, well, I was with zero tolerance and third degree. Third degree was pretty much made around me and... Uh, Pat Mine, who was Danny Case over there, because he was Pat Mine at Metro. And yeah. We started the Fusion line at Metro together and did some work um, for Zero Tolerance. Then when they got bigger, they decided they wanted to branch off and do another company. What's, what's Metro, what's Christian Man part of that? Uh... Uh, Christian Man came after okay. Tommy Wilson left. Okay. And then he uh, sold his... Uh, you know, but I, I did some work for a lot, all those people. Yeah. I actually did work for for Jerry later, did photos for him. And, oh, you know, wow. I did work for um, uh, uh, Christian Mann at... Uh, My former GM. Video, video yeah. team. It was, uh, but I did that through the Dale and Corey Jordan, the brothers that were at Elegant. I see. You know, 
Um, so I, it's I did, such such a small world. I was a lot of, like I said, I was a lot of people's like secret weapon and directors. They would be directors, but I yeah. did all the work. I did the video. I did the lighting. I did the photography. You know, I remember because Dale and Corey, they, they were elegant and then they would bounce around. They even tried to do their own thing. I forget what that was called, but um, a lot of places. And then they did some work for DVSX. Oh, I remember those guys. And I was dropping off the, the you know, rolls and all that stuff. He's like, how'd it go? He's like, great. He's like, really? What was so great about it? You know, why'd it go so great? And I said, truthfully? He's like, yeah. I'm like, me? Yeah. <laughs> Just being a, I felt like being a little cocky that day. But when the director says to the talent, do whatever Chris says. That's a confirmation of your ability to kind of makes you go, yeah. okay. What? Why am I not making that money too? <laughs> you know. So, but relationships. You walk yeah. in the door, you don't know the people. You know, they're gonna deal with who they know. It's just hard. <clears> just <throat> just getting in to do the camera work, and and the still work was difficult because people hire who they hang out and party with, Yeah. okay? Well, need we forget, I was clean and sober. I didn't drink. I drink now, but didn't drink. Owned a bar and never had a drink in my own bar. <laughs> but, how, 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 how big a, how big a um, problem is that? Because I remember um, you know, when I used to work with Evil Angel and, and uh, Aiden Riley, who used to be married to Bella Donna, I, sometimes you know, I'm working on the DVD and he, he does this thing where he interviewed girls behind the scene thing, right? Anytime he ended up not uh, interviewing somebody in the movie, I could usually guess that probably that girl probably spent a lot of time in the bathroom mm -hmm. getting ready and takes them forever to get them out of there because right. usually they're doing something in there besides getting ready and looking good. Right, you know? right. Yeah. How often does that happen at a 10 shoot? Uh, not so much that. That was a problem before i mean if you get mark spriggler's girls you're never going to have a problem like that you know oh, uh. <laughs> oh really uh-huh huh there was a girl <laughs> you don't have to give me a name you know and she's not a spiegler girl anymore because yeah you know uh <laughs> but that doesn't happen as much as it did let's say early 2000 2002 yeah you know there was there was a lot. Not that it wasn't here, but people, you know, were all on set, you know, sniffy, sniffy. Because I, I, I even like, you know, last couple of years I worked for Evil, you know, you get all, your... All the anal stuff. You had problems with girls taking, uh, uh, there was a kick to take Vicodin so you could do anal, you know, back then. And you get them a little loopy, you know, because uh, they're like, oh, awesome. I'm going to say, let's get started, yeah. you know? <laughs> You're like... Really, dude, if you need to do that to do it, don't do it. Don't do it, yeah. You know, you can't hold your body weight anymore, you know. Your ass is in the air and your face is, like, on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 because, you know, when I used to have to look at those 2257 paperwork where you, you know, the, the, the state, well, the whole federal government, you have to have a proof of the girl's age and things like that. Right. And they would put how much girls were getting paid and like I, I was just shocked how how much it dropped that you know I worked evil until 2003 through 2012 
And you know, you 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 get to price range after a while, memorize. You know, like if it's boy girl,、mm. and if there's anal, you know, you know. I mean, we know the prices, right? right? But last couple of years, I w- I was just shocked. Like some of these pre- primo girls are doing shit for a couple hundred bucks, and you know. Well,、know. I tell you, it comes full circle. Yeah. Because when I used to sit at Jim Sal's office, you know, the standard rate in the very beginning, five, six, seven, right? Or, or, yeah, about that.、Uh, probably eight for anal. Five, you know, five was was vag for the average girl. Yeah. Then you had better girls. The 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 top girls working. Let's know, say look, didn't、I'll, have a contract. Yeah. You be eight hundred was vag. Thousand was anal. Twelve hundred was DP. That was a good standard rate. For a good girl, right? We're not talking the the contract girls because that that was different, you know. But forever. Then next thing you know, you know, with with the work, with the inner, with everything, right? Supply and demand. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I mean, Mark Davis's rate was five hundred bucks, and nobody wanted to pay it. Guys were working for two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks. You know, that was standard rate. Yeah. Like when I remember, the, the only guy that had, was five hundred bucks was Peter North. And when Mark raised his rate to five hundred bucks, everybody's like, "Oh man, you're never gonna get it." Whatever. And he's like, "I don't care. They'll either pay me or I won't show up." It, it's. Manuel yeah, Manuel Ferreira have to be one of the highest paid heterosexual guy. Manuel Ferreira is the highest, highest paid, paid guy. The only、uh, technical thing around that is back in the day when Rocco <laughs> would do those things for Vivid that were Rocco loves Jenna,、yeah. Rocco loves whoever.、Um, he already had his deal with Evil. Why he even did those movies, I'm sure everybody's like, I don't know. The answer, money, right? They must、so、they, throw. They must have either said, you know, a percentage of the sales, or here, bang, we're just going to hand you a fuckload of money, because he would have been the number one guy at the time. Yeah. And he lived in Europe, so nobody else ever got him. He only worked for himself. He worked for everybody in the beginning. Then once that evil thing blew up, that was it. And I think they just said, okay, here you go. We're gonna do this, and and it was worth it, I imagine, because they did them repeatedly, you know.、Um, that's what. That's why when I see Manuel sometimes,、um, like he was doing all this stuff for Evil every month, but in addition to that, <laughs> you know, he was working with other people. Like, yeah, he's like a machine. I mean, that guy is machine, you know.、Mm-hmm. Um, so you were working a lot, but eventually, did 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 you? Ask Jules to be part of it, or he asked you if you want to be the. Jules asked me. He man, called me. That's great, man. Ori- originally, <laughs> it was supposed to be a, a different kind of deal, I think, and、um, he was going to do something. He didn't know whether he was going to do his own company or something like that. And then when it was, and then you know, he asked me to come over, and and、uh, you know, I was at. Third degree and everything, but I was like, okay, I'm, you know, I'll listen to anybody's offer. Sure, it's not rude to listen to an offer, and、um, <coughs> excuse me, I, 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 
I liked the idea of it, you know. I thought I was big enough at the time that it wouldn't be like, who's this guy with him? Yeah. You know, you know, I, but um, then uh, Red Light, because they had everybody on contract. Mike John, Manuel, Everhart. Brandon Iron, yeah, Brandon, Steve Holmes. Right, Holmes, they had, they had every, Stefano, everybody. So uh, when that started to fall apart and, he, and Jules had the opportunity to get Mike John, yeah, he called me and he said, hey, I'm, you know, th this is business. Yeah. You know, and Mike John is guaranteed he's, he's bigger. He sells better, you know, and everything. And, and I understood, you know, and he goes, but if everything goes good, I, you know, I still would want this. I'm not stopping it, but, you know, yeah. a couple of directors. I want to do what he, you know, he wanted to follow that program. So, so for, for the listeners who don't know, I, I guess um, this is another innovation that Staliano brought into business, which is he started his company and he started adding the best directors and give him incentive. That no. Well... Uh, no, because even even Joey. Well, the only way you can say that was well, Leslie, but then even Leslie did some. John was smart. He knew that the cock drives the scene, all right? And everybody buys it for the girl, but male talent, because we all know the girls come and go. Sure. You, you can't, you know, a contract girl is hard enough to pull all that money out of your pocket and go, okay, we're going to put this in. <laughs> you got better odds putting it on red. Yeah. Okay? It's literally 50-50 if she's going to meet a guy tomorrow, get knocked up, you know, fall into whatever. You know, these girls, they come and go. We've sure. all seen it. What happened to her? What happened to her? All right, guys tend to stay around. But a guy still has marketing. He has a fan base, right? And those guys were running their own, you know, doing their own thing. They knew how to be directors. Yeah. Right? Because at that time they were, you know, Joey was getting older, John, uh, Randy West, but they were talent. So that's what he, that's what I believe he saw. And I'm only talking as somebody on the outside looking in, not an insider, that he went, all right. And they were also buddies, <coughs> you know? So of course. He did his movie, and he's like, all right, I could sell somebody else. Yeah, Joey, okay, boom, okay, add this one, add this one. Things are going good. All right, you know, um, because you got to remember, what was it? Catwalker was made for VCA. It wasn't a yeah. Batman movie. So Leslie, who <clears throat> is my personal, you know, I love him, um, he was out there making movies for other people, you know, and getting his teeth wet before John said, Come on over. Yeah. You know. I, I guess what I was trying to say is John. But, 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 sorry. But what he saw was the guys are, are a solid foundation. You know what I mean? Like to say, well, wh why wouldn't you go to, you know, a girl and gamble? Well, look what happened on, look at Jenna. She had her own company. What, what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's. Maybe I'm being, I don't know how to say it, but, you, you know, to put that money on the girl, girls, they come and go too much. There, there's, there's too insecure, you know, the guys tend to stay. And look, they're all still there, right? Yeah. Kristoff is still there. Le, uh, 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 Joey, Joey Severo, Rocco Zafredi. Yeah. Yeah. They're still there. How many years have they been there? Okay, so there's something to that fact. You're, you're right, because um, girls... Belladonna, how many times did she come and go? 
couple times. Right. Yeah. I'm out. Oh, I'll come back. Oh, I'm out again. Oh, I'll come back. It does sounds right. like it does sounds like she's out for good this time. But um, um, but you're right. I mean, girls who makes more money than guys, but their length of career is very short because you know right. nothing beats a girls like a new girls. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, guys make less money, but they could work for a long time. And they were the best guy. They were good. You know, town people liked them, so they had a fan base there too. Sure, it wasn't like you were just saying, oh well. He was the best director, you know, because I mean, you know, and, and and there's Andrew Blake, there's this guy, there's that. I mean, there's, you know, what I'm saying. There's a, a lot of different great directors. Sure. All right, you know, but those guys. I mean, they they were run from you great know. directors, great perverts, because they were good, great talent, right? Yeah. That was the difference. You know, every day I shoot Manuel, I still go, fuck me. You know, the, the perversion in him, the, the love of women, his face in a woman. Yeah. You know, trying to suck the soul out of her almost. You know, the, that's, that's it. That's always going to, you know, Everything else can come and go, but but that you, you want you want to lock that down. Sure. So I get that. You know. Um, I, I, I was just saying, like, what separated John from a lot of other company was he believed that if when the directors own their product, they have incentive to work really hard with their movies, and not only that, but he had a good taste and he he knew exactly what he wanted from people, and he he's a big fan pornographer. You know, mm-hmm. you you I think you and I will probably agree. Jules and John are the, probably the only two, one of the few people in the business who own the business actually watch the movies because mm-hmm. I don't want to name other people's company, but you get. Oh, they fit, don't watch the product. At they all. don't watch it at all, and you could you could tell because Jules and John are really they really are fans of porn, and mm-hmm. they 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 watch their movies and directors that work for them, but also porn from other people, you know. Because I remember Staliano's office. Sometimes he'll be like stacks of porn that been shipped to him. A part of it because these guys want to become one of the roster at Evil Angel, but also John's fan of the other people's porn, and they will, you know, he he definitely watch everything, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, um, you know, once again, I saw you work so hard. You, I mean, you were running like Tasmanian Devil, like you were doing everything, lights, you know, moving the camera around, and you know, making sure the paperwork was good with the girls, and you know, mm-hmm. um, and I. I not the paperwork, because that is something I don't like doing, and I. I oh, that's right. Holmes were doing that. I leave that to to, uh, to Tony Flush. I was taking the IDs and making yeah. sure that everything uh, worked out and everything. But um, the the lighting and stuff like that. When we get into something that's, well, I'll call more theatrical, mm-hmm. right? With the you know the way we were lighting the dungeon and keeping it. I I really enjoy that kind of work. You know, it pushes me. In an area where I don't, where I'm not at every single day, yeah. And when I can do it and do it right, and and I stand back and look at the way it looks, and I'm like, wow, okay, you know, that's where I realize that that I've learned things, yeah. You know, and and I I really enjoy doing it, and I don't get to do it enough. You know, so many people think that oh, well, you're a Gonzo guy, right? Because we have that. We have that separation. Sure. The Gonzo guys and the feature guys. And isn't it funny how 
they they don't cross genres, you know. Yeah, it's for the it's, for, it's, for the for the listeners. Like, if you don't know, that two different times, two teams. Yeah, Guns is well, feature films. Actually, they have a script and their story, why people are having sex, and, and whereas Gonzo right. is it's basically Living, wicked. Yeah, right. you know. Look, let's say it. Hands down, the best dialogue director in the business, Brad Armstrong, undeniably. The man shoots dialogue and gets performances yeah. out of people that are second to none for that type of thing. Okay? You know, now his sex, I think, depending on who happened to be the cast, yeah, you have something that burns the barn down some days, some days not. Right. Right? But... You know, he's making a movie. That's his focus, and he does it very well, you know. Then you've got us Gonzo guys, and, you know, we're not doing that. We're shooting sex, all right? Well, there's something completely different. Sure. Because you get a feature crew and have them light stuff and then try to shoot a Gonzo, that doesn't work. Our lighting is clean. It's, you know, they light a shot. We light a room. And we're ready to run around, and I gotta chase somebody with the camera, and I gotta yeah. hit the floor, I gotta jump on top of the bed, and shoot, like, you know, I gotta be ready to move everything. I can't have wires and lights and shit attached to me. It's not gonna work. It's know? impractical, yeah. Like, uh, you don't see somebody that crosses those two camps. It's a two different skill sets, right? I right. Mean, and you always see the same cameraman, right? You got, uh, uh, well, it used to be Jay and Barry Wood, right? And then Chris, and then uh, 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 Matt. He was a, a, the feature guy, and um, who's the old man? Uh, I'm not really familiar with the feature stuff. I'm really a Gonzo guy, yeah, so. And those cameramen over there, and they work. Yeah. You know, and do what they do, and they're good at it. You know, but that's it. And when you try, because like. Uh, this one guy, Bella, when Bella first did her first movies for for Sensations, or uh, Cineplex. God, um, you're going way back. She she hired these other people, you know, and I was watching them shoot because I was there with a friend, and they had the cameras up on the shoulder, shooting down, and I was just like, they had this giant, you know, that fist, that whole arm thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to shove it in the girl. And from the top, you, you, you got to be underneath. You can't see from the top. You can't, that's not where you want to be. And I'm smart enough to know you don't say anything. Yeah. You, you don't. You keep your mouth shut because you have to. Because the minute you do, I, I made a mistake of saying something one time on a James Avalon set. Oh, no. And I was quickly fired. You know? Huh. And, uh, but I was right. <laughs> He'd say, okay, great, great, that was perfect. It was perfect, just the way you did it. And the guy was like, oh, well, don't thank me, thank Chris. He told me how to do it. Because that, that's the... And it was like, I don't give a fuck who told you how to do it. And I, the next day I was told not to come in. Because <laughs> there, there's a lot of prejudice against um, adult movies because, you know, in Hollywood, you know, they think um, people in porn can act what whatnot. But, you know, Hollywood actors, if they have to do sex scene, it's terrible and they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And... Um, man, there's I don't know which movie it was, but Stanley that the thing you know, his camera work I could tell it's just a pervert. He's always thinking about 
how the perverts want to see things, you know, and you know this too, you know, the way you film it, you know, and um, I can't remember, I saw one of that scene with the reverse gangbang that you did for Manuel, you know, and like, uh, well, that's hard work. It's that's not so bad because there's only one dick. Shooting the big orgies. Yeah, you got to go all over. Gonna be, and I prefer to shoot it with one camera. Yeah. Where most people say, no, give me two or three cameras, I'm going to chop it up. I'm like, no, give me one. Let me shoot it. Let me move and follow where the, where, you know, and, and hopefully to get it. But I, I prefer to do it that way, you know. But I think the movie you were talking about with John was probably Fascinistas. And that was... Watching that movie, I can see how hard that was because he wanted that theatrical lighting, but he still wanted to move the camera in a gonzo style and have it look good. Well, then your issue is the sea light you're going to have to fill in those spots is going to be so overly apparent. Yeah, It's a light there to fill it in and the movement of when you move and then now you move back and that light's not there anymore. Right? So... The average viewer will just glaze it. But for us, we're like, you know, that that's odd. What do you do? Do you make the camera a person and the camera's moving? Yeah. Then that's easy. Because now the light is the person. The person has the light. They're part of it. Right? Yeah. And if it moves, it makes sense. But if it's not, and you're just supposed to be a voyeur that happened, then now, you know, now that's different. And that sea light creates a whole nother level that's going to drive a director crazy. Uh, how do I make that, that work? I, I completely agree with you. If you do an orgy scene, I'd rather have a one camera. It's like a pervert just going like, whatever the exciting things are going, I just want to kind right. of want to look at it. I, I like that point of view. Um, and yeah, Joe's movies. I don't know. I, 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 I I respect people who like future porn, whatever. But I'm, you know, I, I'm, personally, I, I I just like right. Just meet me yeah. Potato sex. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't want to watch all that dialogue crap at all. You know, um, I I appreciate it for what he's doing and how he can do it because I do these little milf movies, right? Yeah. And try to get him to say lines, and I'm like you. You did that movie for him the other day, man. Like, I'm really for this part. Just focus. You're, you're gonna you're gonna be in her ass in ten minutes, man. Just give me a little reality. Yeah. Give me a little. Put a little something. Just just a little. I I, I know you do milf movies, but like, were you surprised? I mean, I I think it was like American Pie. The first that's the first time I heard the term milf, and you know. Early '90s, mid '90s. I think the girls' career ended once they, I don't know. Oh yeah. But much. like, if you had mid twenties, you were kind of, uh, you know, if you're like not a star. But isn't it amazing? Like these days, milf girls are even quite up. If they're big enough, they make more money than young girls. You know. Well, before before I stopped performing, I was quite pleased because I got to uh, have a few moments with a few of the ladies that I grew up watching. So for me, that little comeback was nice. <laughs> Which girls? You know? Well, Julie Ann, Lisa Ann, um, uh, uh, O'Connell, Brittany O'Connell. Oh, wow. I think that's how you say her name. I can't remember now. Um, Shayla Laveau. Wow, that's going back. Yeah. I, she was in crazy my POV movie Crazy for Cougars and 
You did. You also did something with uh, Debbie Diamond and uh, Ginger Lynn, didn't you? Um, uh, I did a blowjob with Debbie Diamond, but that was actually for Pat Mine. Oh, okay. That wasn't for my movie. I shot a, a gangbang with her for my movie, but I didn't perform in it. And that was, once again, yeah, because I had watched her growing up. I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you know. Man, she she, she, can, she yeah. Mm-hmm. She def she definitely had the ferocious sexual energy. She's really tall, and she looked like an Amazonian woman. And uh, yeah, and, well, I'll tell you this: yeah, you you can't make her choke. No, because <laughs> I tried. <laughs> we were we were getting to know each other while Bart was setting up the lights. Next thing I know, she's blowing me, and uh, Bart's setting up, and she's doing there, and it just uh. Uh, Bart's like, how is that? And I said, I don't know, let me see. And I grabbed the back of her head and I push it down as hard as I can. I'm just holding it there. And I'm just waiting to hear that, "Ah, ah," you know what I mean, to let her up. And I'm holding it and holding it and holding it. (laughs) And he starts laughing and I pull it. I'm like, yeah, what am I kidding? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) She's amazing. Wow. I'm like, yep. But when I shot her for the gangbang, it was the first time she ever did double anal. And we did double anal and filled her pussy. Right, and she's like, "What? What do you want to? You can do that." And yeah. I'm like, "I got Steve Holmes, Jan Scott, Mark Wood, Mr. Pete, and John Strong." Oh my god! You know? I'm like, "Baby, we can do this." Yeah. All right. I'm like, "When do you guys get by her mouth?" Because I want four tight. Right. Two go in her ass. One goes in her pussy, dropping in her thing, and we're bam, 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 and we're running it. We probably got about a minute and a half to two minutes of footage before you know something falls out. Right? Yeah. So she's coming, she pushes the cum, pops them out, right? Falls over off the couch, shaken from coming, and then looks up and goes, oh my God, you can do that, that's great. What else can you all put in me? <laughs> yeah. You know? And I'm just like, wow, girl, I would have loved to know you when you were 22. <laughs> Man, she, I, I was, I, I'm still a fan, and I did her radio show, and I told her, like, because she, I, I don't know if you know a lot about her, but she's got the amazing story. Her, she comes from Hollywood uh, business, show business family, and she used to be in, like, A-Team and uh, all this TV show from 80s, you know, Knight Riders and things like that, and she also worked for... Um, Helmut Newton, the photographer. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and uh, that's amazing. Amazing, and he took a bunch of pictures of her, and she has original print, like maybe half a dozen of those things. They're they're worth fortune. They have to be, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I said, excuse, and like she had this one, and so make the story short, like hearing her amazing story, the, all the famous people. Remember that um, documentary, the kid stays in the picture. Uh, that the famous producer, he did uh, Godfather and Conversational for the Paramount, I forgot his name, but she was his assistant as well. So she has all this, like, she lived a full life, you know, adult business and show business. So I told her to write a book, and I think she's still working on, on her autobiography, you know. Cool. Uh, and, um, that would be an interesting read. Yeah, I had no idea about Helmut Newt. Wow. He, he, I'm not worthy, right? He, he was the guy... Yeah, she he really loved her, and like, because uh, when she told me like half to maybe a dozen original sh- prints that she has at some place in the house by him, and like, oh my God, that that uh, yeah, worth lot. I want to polish those off, put them someplace safe. <laughs> um, Chris, couple more questions. I'm done. Uh, so what? What? So once you became Evil Angels, I mean, uh, um, uh, Jules Jordan Productions roster. 
that's a that's a quite an accomplishment, you know, for you to yeah, come from getting nowhere. from day one just picking up AVN to ended up being part of the roster, you know. Yeah. Um, it's almost like getting, you know, you're in the minor league and you get called by Yankees or something. Oh. It really is like that. Um, oh yeah, and I think I if you look at those first twenty one movies that I made and owned. <coughs> I think it shows that I said, you know what? I don't care. I I realized that I was I was like, you know, more like the John Leslie, right? Mm -hmm. Where well, I did perform throughout the years. Let's face it, I was never a, a a active performer out there. You know what I mean? I worked for. <laughs> People that I like to work for sure. that would allow me to be me and didn't ask me to do, you know, more than what I wanted to, right? Right. You know, let me do the scene I want to do, and I'll work for you. If not, I'm not, right? So most of my work was with, you know, my friends, which was nice. Um, I knew that when you went into that store to buy that movie you had that chance to buy somebody that you were a porn fan because you were a fan of them as talent right, right. an Everhard movie a manuel movie a stefano movie you know now where i put those guys in my movie i wasn't in my movies unless it was a pov movie right you know so you're buying it on the strength of the movie not on my you know that you're a fan of of mine as a performer sure so Excuse me, with that, I, I was like, I'm going to make sure that they grab this movie. I'm going to give them their money's worth, right? So two discs. My first oil overload had seven scenes. Even the reviewer missed a scene. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. And, and they weren't little scenes. I mean, I had big scenes. I would put, you know, an orgy and a DP and then two girls and a guy, like, you know. Wow. wow, you really spent money on that. Wow. The second brother load was 53000 and that's with me not getting paid because I owned it, right? So I didn't... Wait, wait, you, sp you spent 53000 53000 on a gonzo. What did you... What did you... How many scenes? Oh, six scenes. And that's hard... That That's not making the DVD. That's not editing. That's hard production cost. So you must have got some big-name girls. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah. 53 Jesus that is that is a lot I mean um, and and what was the response once you start uh, releasing jewels oh the, the sales you know were phenomenal and then it just once again much like my biker movie bad timing man you know right when things were getting great the as, internet. You can, as you can tell by the no steps on the stairs mm -hmm. <laughs> and where the, the backyard's been cleared out for a pool but there's no pool there yeah yeah so you know things were good enough <laughs> that i started working on the house and then all of a sudden oh what's this tube site thing when did and you now we're back down to rates like we were when we got into the business yeah it's <sighs> I, re I remember because um, um, when I used to work with Evil Angel before they start having problems with the internet, 
every convention, the last is Sunday. Mm-hmm. Remember those? Like mm-hmm. it used to be Sundays, and after it was done, John would take everyone at the company to this you know restaurant, and it's a really fancy one too. And 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 those days, I remember. You know, Rocco will come in, Manuel, and they will bring the hottest girls from Europe, you know, and you're just sitting in, you know, this expensive restaurant with this meal. Like, what a way to start a new year, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but for me, it was probably like 2007 for sure. I mean, I noticed like, holy fuck, every year from that year on, the convention getting smaller and smaller. Because I remember Red Light District used to have like a big ass, you know, booth. Remember that? Like, oh, come on. Even Jules. Jules had the penitentiary. Remember? Look yeah. at the big prison. Now we've got a backdrop with pictures on them, you know? Still looks good. Looks good. But it's definitely different. People are paying attention to where they put their dollars. And that's fine. And things have to, you know, give and take. And fans have to give and take. But, you know, remember, and you can go back on the old, like, boards, adult DVD talk, and it's so funny. Because I was very vocal about this in the beginning, and so was uh, Mike Quasar. And we kept saying, hey, guys, there's going to be, you know, a downfall to this. And it's going to be, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But as things change... You know, we're going to have to change with them. And you're not going to get the movies, you know. We're like, look at the record industry. Yeah. Look at it. You know, who's making the money? Bieber, Britney, you know, those people that it will, right? Because they're they're not getting that theft. The other people, they can't survive. They're not there anymore. Even if, if, even if they stole every... Possible records for like uh, um, Tom Petty just gave his record away for free. If you bought a concert ticket, you got a free download of his album. Uh, Joe uh, and I know I'm going to mispronounce his name, but the blues guy, the new blues Sam Smith or Joe, uh, Joe Bassaman or Bassamo, yeah. something like that. Yep, he just announced his albums for free download. And wasn't that you too? You too. You r- fucking too had to give their album away. Yeah. You too. Really? Now, what the fuck does that tell you? Okay. And what are you getting for it? You know what this new music is? It's shitty. And, and me and Veronica Avlov were both giant music fans, right? And we talk about it all the time. And I tell her, I'm like, you know, she'll be like, oh, listen to this new band. And I'll go, okay, they're good. They got talent. Problem is, they're not produced. You know, they'll start playing, and then it's all one da 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 maybe a little lead here and then there's no hook, there's no chorus, there's no bridge, there's there's no you know, it doesn't change. If you listen to any of the other music that was great, the song changes. You know what I mean? These kids don't have a producer to teach them how to write a song. There's a reason why Paul McCartney and John Lennon wrote Masterpieces. So much masterpieces. Why Jagger Richards, you know? Like, they got that formula, you know? You're making stuff in it and you're not putting any sage in there. It's not going to work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but at least, you know, music people, at least they have concerts and they could stay and make money. But porn people, I mean, you know, yeah, sure. You can't do that. Girls could we go strip. Raul, Raul Christian. He tried to do the live gonzo. When you could get on your computer and you could talk to us, you, yeah. you could hear us, what we said, and you could type in a response and say, do this, do that, or whatever. You know? And I thought it was brilliant. 
I did. And I thought, wow, what a way to interact with your fans. And a little hard because everybody in the world has got, you know, that two hours that we're going to broadcast. Yeah. So that's very difficult. Um, but at least... What a great idea. But at least at least he tried to do something different, you yeah. know. But yeah. it, but it's tough. I mean, girls could do cam. They, girls could go on the road, dance, uh, maybe even escorting. But... What does male heterosexual guys gonna do? You know, there's not a really option for those guys. You know, no. and um, that's why. Um, what, what would you feel about AVN? I heard AVN's gonna have. Uh, what's one of the porn tube guys gonna have a booth or something like that at the convention? Yeah. So yeah. I know. I worked for Raul. He did this thing and he interviewed different people and we had to bring that guy in and interview him. And I'm like, I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm like, there's the camera. He can stand in front of it and press the button. I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm out. Yeah. Don't want to be in the same room with the guy. Yeah, it's, 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 um, yeah, it's fucking tough, you know. Well, what? Two years ago, that guy who was running uh, Manwin was, was the keynote speaker. Yeah. Really? For those, for, for those of you. Guy who, who, robbed us more than anybody is going to sit in a room and be the keynote speaker and talk to us um, my, my reaction to that is very simple have you ever seen uh what, what's that uh what's that one movie where where all the bikers go into the bar in, in little italy in new york and they, they try to throw him, the, the mafia guys try to throw him out of the bar and they won't leave. And he turns around and he locks the door and he's like, yeah, now you can't leave. <laughs> oh, I don't know that one. Um, for, the, for the listeners, there was a bunch of these college kids in Montreal and, you know, they, they were kind of goofy around and started a porn thing. And, and that was Brazzers. And later on, um, that was bought by, I think it's Switzerland, a German company called Manwen, and they're the one who were actually putting all these porn tube sites, um, ripping off other, you know, directors' products. And, yeah. But, I, hey, now there's, uh, Obama just announced some legislation where third-party uploads of uh, that are non-copyright holders, they're going to try to make that against the law. And I think that's brilliant. I don't understand. And, and you know, my stepfather was a lawyer, so mm -hmm. I get the law and I get, you know, how the arguments go one way or the other. Right. However, nobody has 50 million friends that are really their friends, A. B, if you owned a store and there was constantly stolen shit sold at your pawn shop there's only so long before they're going to call you a nuisance a community right. nuisance all right so for me to say that i've sent you five thousand cease and desist because of the or you know take this down it's uncopyrighted my product's even watermarked so that you know hey if you just see that watermark you know it's no good take it down right <clears throat> but no i have to see it i have to send it to you like at what point are you not responsible you own that yeah right why aren't you responsible i i just i can't wrap my head around possession is nine tenths of the law 
If it was uploaded to your server, you are in possession of it. Why is that not possession of stolen goods, right? In a different format, you know, like obviously that can't relate, but they took my product and put it up on your site. Yeah, I think there's, once again, prejudice against adult business because you do that shit with the Hollywood movies. You can't yeah, yeah, get, you can't, you right you now, can't get away with that. May, well, you can. And that's well, why the president now is jumping in on it because of all these releasing these movies before they're, they're out there and they're losing all the money and losing American jobs. Yeah. Um, but go ahead, do, it, do an NFL tube site. Oh, good luck with that. Why? If we were smart, we would have done it 10 years ago or five years ago. We would have done an all NFL and all thing. And when they they came after, right, then shit would have got done. Because the law that covers them covers us. But don't you think it's also hard to unite with everyone in the adult business sometimes, you know, get things done, even though it's in their self-interest. It's just like, you know, it's... There are some goofy people in the business that they, 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 but AVN, I think they just realized they're, they're losing money. They're looking for other, well, I'm just speculating, but you know, they're, they're, I'm sure they're hurting too. And, but even for me, I was kind of surprised like, wow, you know, these, these, these other people. But what did Pornhub had some music people doing music videos or something like they're trying to branch out. Yeah. Look, giving something away for free is not a good business model. Don't work if you're a restaurant. It ain't going to work. It's got a limited thing. Everybody's freaking out, and I get it. We got to adjust, all right? Mm -hmm. We got to weather this storm, but it's going to be a storm. It's going to pass. They can't keep continuing that idea. And everybody's like, well, now the kids expect it to be free. Well, you know what? The minute it's not, it's going to take a few years. And yeah. they'll realize they got to pay. It's the way it is. Are We're so fortunate enough to, to be something that everybody wants sure they just don't want to pay for it yeah but they don't want to pay for music either but they yeah. always did eventually they will they will again <clears throat> so you're 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 optimistic about the future i think that this is just another one of those things that's going to happen you know me hey i'm still not the 200 dollars guy again but all the equipment that i own is now in a van yeah so that when you do pay my rate which is i'm definitely you know one of the more expensive guys out there if you want me to do camera video yeah you know lighting or anything for you you know um i'll work hard i'll do it and you get my uh you get my truck and everything's included in the price sure. so mr holmes Got his money's worth that day. For sure. All that work I did. I, you know, I did, I lit it like a whole lighting crew would have done. I shot it, the photos like a photographer, and did the video work, you know. Yeah, I remember. I did, I did three jobs that day, and I did them fucking good, you know. Is that movie, it's not released yet, is it? No, it was a German bondage thing. I don't, I don't know what happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> of course it was German. Of course. Um, but... Um, uh, I did that because I, I had to do it, not because I was like, oh, yeah, let me get a van. That's what I want right now, you know. I did it because I, I want to make myself viable and to be able to hold that, that price. Yeah. I got to give you more, you know. 
And that would translate into repeated um, business. So, Chris, uh, for them to contact um, your product, it's JulesJordanVideo.com. JulesJordanVideo.com, yep. And um, do you have a Twitter account that people can follow you? I just you? now got on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. I'm, yep. And, and is it? Streams. Okay, good. And uh, do you have an Instagram too? or Not yet. It's coming. It's, you know, baby steps. Yeah, I hope you get it cause, because you take terrific uh, photograph. I mean, yeah. you're up there with all other guys like Andrew Blakes and, um, you know. Those. I, I like glamour and I like bondage. You know, I like anything super, super pretty, like almost Playboy pretty. Yeah. And then I like things really, really dirty, you know. Uh, I can do everything else in between, but that's what, what I like because that's my two worlds, you know. Yeah. You know, I like, you know, I used to be the biker guy running around in the dirty world. But then, you know, I think when you watch porn or, you know, some of my friends would go to those strip bars in Baltimore. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to go here. These girls are nasty. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, she's going to give you a go in the back. She'll, you know, give you a little tug or a little suck or yeah. something. And I'm like, I don't want that. If I'm going to go spend money looking at a girl naked, I want her to be something that's unattainable, you know what I mean, in my eyes, you know. And if I can get her, even better, you know. But let's be honest, you, you have a higher standard than because all the hundreds and thousands of girls you've seen over the years, well, you I mean, know. Before that. Yeah. Now, now I don't even, I go into the bar and they're like, you want a lap dance? I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to a wrong person. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> we couldn't. Is, is this out of, out of line question? Because sometimes people don't want to answer. Like some of the favorite <laughs> girls that you work with, uh, not, not necessarily just sex scenes but like actually working with filming i mean do you have any uh, the ones that like stand out after all these years did uh well uh a lot of my exes obviously mm -hmm. i you know i loved you know i love i loved shooting angel dark back in the day and you know uh our divorce was horrible <laughs> but uh that being said, at that point in time, wait, I, wait, you mean Angel Dark with the from um, not Slovakia? Yeah, you were married to her? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, her tits are just unbelievable. Yeah, they were pretty nice. Wait, but you were married to her when to when? Uh, well, technically, uh, 06 to just like two years ago, three years ago, the divorce finally went through. Oh, my but, God. Uh, but we were only together for about six months. <clears throat> oh, my God. Still, I you guys got to Google her because when you talk about 2006, oh, my God, that's just like the peak of her. I mean, she's still beautiful, but. Right. But that's like. Know. Yeah, 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 no. Oh four, oh five, oh six. It's she was amazing. I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, her all that stuff I did with zero tolerance back. To all those boxes with her from the, from them was that time, and, and we got along good. And you know, uh, even before we got together, you know, we we, we shot good stuff. Um, then then that's why that's why then I, like you know I like working with and uh, Lisa Ann. We're on Friends, and, and I did the production on her movies. Mm -hmm. So far to date, and I, you know, and you know, she announced her retirement. But I imagine if if she continues to do production, I would still probably be her crew. I I don't see that changing. Um, I hope not. Love working with her. Um, 
you know, there, there's great people that you get, like, uh, a sad note is uh, Veronica Avlov. You know, I really like shooting her, really mm -hmm. work good, you know, with her and everything. And we're, we're dating now, and, and so now she doesn't want to work for me, you know. She doesn't want to perform for me, even though it doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, at all. And I've told her, just, you know, it's okay. But, you know, hopefully over time, if, if you know, we stay together and everything yeah. gets comfortable, we'll be okay. And I hope so. We did some pictures the other day. She let me take pictures of her that were really cool. It's on my Twitter, her dressed like a kitty. Really nice. Um, but, uh, you know, just... Who else? Who else do I really Did like? You, to, do you, God, I like to. I'll tell you. Here's here's one. Bella's first couple movies. Belladonna, yeah. Yeah, especially her second one because her her first movie for Cineplex, I only got to do I think one or two scenes, and then the second movie, she let me do everything with her. Mm, I think she only did two, or she did three. If she did another one, then I did it, and then. Um, uh, when she went to Evil, Nacho hooked her up, I think, with Darko. And then uh, I guess John didn't like a couple of the scenes or they didn't like it, something, and she wanted to reshoot two scenes. And and she called me and I reshot those two with her. Yeah. And that was the famous Cytheria squirt scene. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, I shot that one with her. Um, but those, like, those couple of movies she did with Cineplex that we worked completely together, you know, I was the crew, um, I loved, that was the most pleasurable time working with a director. It was so cool to give in, you know, she's like, I want to do this, I want to do that, what if this, what if that, and, you know, like making a director happy, because that's my job. If I'm the crew, yeah. my job is to make you happy and to, and to, and to and hear what you're saying in your head and make it come out. And make you look good too, yeah. Well. You know, because some things you want to do, but they're not possible to do them, you know, because of the house or the light or whatever, you know, and yeah. then other things. Well, what if we did this? What if we did that? You know, type of thing. And she. And, and to watch her work, it was fucking brilliant, you know. She's one of the greatest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she is one. Not, not just that. I mean, she. With, with me, Bella, I don't even care if she, uh, she's clothed, whatever. Just She's just a sweet person to talk to. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's uh, you know she's in the Paul Thomas Anderson's movie right now. You know, yeah, she I know. I've been looking and I can't find it playing anywhere. I want to. See. I think you might have to go like Hollywood ArcLight or yeah, something like that. Something but like that. Yeah. yeah, she. I always tell people like she's kind of like the porno version of uh, uh, Julia Robert with uh, Tracy Lore. You know, performance, unbelievable performer, and her personality, and you know, she really is a star and. I'm really happy that she's, you know, she's happy with whatever she's oh, doing right now. Yeah, ab absolutely. You know, um, but it was just very, very enjoyable. There was no stress to it. Like, you know, very, very nice working with her. I, I liked it a lot. Um, um, man, shooting with Manuel is is great. He pushes me. Manuel pushes me like nobody, anybody else. He's like, I want it like this, like this, like this, and. You know, then I have to make that happen. Yeah. I have to figure out how I can do that. And, and, and I know he wants it perfect, so I want to make it, you know, perfect for him. And 
he takes me out of my comfort zone and it's a good thing you know and i learn more and i try i try more new things with him to do a certain things that he would want done you know that when you're working for yourself your mindset is all right this is what's in front of us and yeah. you know you're you're thinking you know what kind of movie is this what am i doing today and you, you're not thinking you know you, your mind's in a different area because you have those other pressures on you right you don't have that freedom to not have to worry about the other things and just to go okay you know and he trusts you too you know yeah and then there's there's problems where it's like okay somebody would say well why you know why don't you do that for your movie well i can't because he has me for his crew if i'm doing the camera and i'm doing you know uh uh like he does this this thing where he gets the butts with a with a different type of a lens and they look so cool you know well first of all he, he knows that angle that he wants and i've tried to do it and i can't do it and then but he has me moving other lights around to fill in everything mm -hmm. so even if i try to do that same thing and and i can get it the lighting's not right because i don't have me there you know because i'm literally like holding and moving you <laughs> yeah. know and i can't train somebody else i try but you need somebody who who wants to care like that to say okay okay now check that is that right oh no a little bit to the left okay boom you know it's it's i don't know it's just great i just love I, you know it's nice I, working with him and then at the end of the day you get this great performance from from him because it's him anyway you know it's just good Damn it, I, I wish I would have known you because um, I remember, um, <laughs> sorry, going back. I didn't know you were married to Andrew Dar, but I read someplace, she's a big fan of Linkin Park. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm friends with Johan, the guy who plays keyboard. And like, oh man, I, 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 I didn't know how to contact her at the time, you know, but oh. I, I, I would have never take her. But um, can, I, can I just end the show by talking a little bit more? Because I met her through Steve in Bur on Venus Fair, like, I don't know, 2004 or five or something. And uh, what was she like as a person? Was she... she was nice. She's intimidating because she's so beautiful and like, yeah. yeah. She's pretty, that's for sure. Um, <clears throat> she's very nice, mm -hmm. very nice person, you know. Um, it, I don't know, I, you know, like we had our issues because we were married, you know, it, you know so like any married couple would have yeah right right and being in the industry you know and all this stuff and you know and everything and you know so it is what it is but i mean she's generally a nice a nice person you know to sit and talk with and everything but um she's not performing anymore is she no not okay that i'm aware of i see no so but um you know, I don't, I don't know what to say other than that. Like, I didn't know her that long, and I, it, and oddly enough, I didn't know her that well. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, she got pregnant, and I didn't want my child being born in Slovakia. <clears throat> and then she had a miscarriage, so <clears throat> that was that. Yeah, you know, and uh, but you know, there's, it's, it's odd because you, you, you were married to somebody, and then you're saying, but what are you? You know what are they like and i'm like eh. 
She was over there. I was over here. Yeah. We probably spent 35 days in our whole entire marriage. Oh, together. I see. Prior to that, we probably spent, you know, 20 days together. And then prior to that, we weren't together. Yeah. But I knew her when I would take a trip over there and I'd stay 30 days. I'd shoot her 10 times. Right? Yeah. And we'd hang out, you know. Um, so I can't, <laughs> I don't know her that well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you, you know, because but, um, God, it, 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 she, she, she if you see her, she, she, she gets met. She's one of the know. prettiest girls you ever want to look at. Yeah, so that's one when you right? say. She was a nice person. She wasn't like a If somebody that beautiful, you would think it would just be, you know, snotty. Yeah. Right? And she, she wasn't. She was nice and funny. I'll tell you this. She had a beautiful voice, too. Because we would drive to her parents' house, and it was like a four or five hour drive. And she would, the radio playing, and she would sing. Sing. Beautiful voice. And I guess I did, you know, porn actually kind of worked out for her because it's, when you live in Eastern Europe, it's, life is pretty hard. I mean, salary, unemployment is so high, and even if you have a job, Hey, just shit, you know? So, you know, one of my favorite persons in the business, Sandra Romaine, and she mm -hmm. said, what difference does it make if you make one movie of several hundred? Once you make one, people are going to judge you. So she really worked hard and saved money, and I hope she's doing okay. But yeah, I, I think um, most of the European girls, especially from Eastern Europe, they have a different mind frame. They're here to work and you know make money and uh, have a career in this. And you know, American girls have different attitude because they they grew up for most part. Life is a lot better here. So um, I'm sure a lot of them for money too. But you have a luxury. Yeah, you know. I mean that's the old saying, right? The girls in Eastern Europe do it as a as a leg up. Yeah, they do it when they go to college. Yeah, or when they're out of school, right? In the old days. Yeah. Now I hear it's different over there. They're you know everybody's partying and stuff, but before the girl because porn wasn't really displayed in their country. Yeah, it was an export, right? So they could get out of high school, go to college, do this work. And nobody would right. know mostly like not really they wouldn't yeah. know and then once you got done your studies and you got a job well now you can because over there you got to pay cash for a house right mm -hmm. there's not credit like we have here same thing with the car so they get a car they get a house and they have their job they're now set they're, now they're now they're good now they're yeah. comfortable now they're gonna have a you know that little leg up that normally people work their whole life and hoping to you know buy an apartment over there yeah right <clears throat> so it like you know it's good for them over here it's more like if you turn to this it's like oh what went wrong yeah, you know what yeah. i mean like because america does have those opportunities and most of the girls that are coming in aren't thinking you know oh i want to be a conglomerate right i want to be lisa ann or yeah. i want to be jenna jameson most of them are like you know so what's your plan for the future well i'm going to a rave tuesday night you know yeah. <laughs> something like that like you know it's yeah, the serious ones have a definitely a career plan, and they work work really, really hard. And, and I've uh, heard it a thousand times, but none of them are here owning that company. None of them are the next Jenna Jameson. You know, that's why. It seems like it's more difficult now. Is it, you think that could happen I don't again? Think it's difficult. It, it's only difficult because okay, let's talk short term. Let's say the last two years. Who would have 
who was poised to be the next huge thing that could have started her own gig, could have made that money, could have made it happen, but then just disappeared. Chrissy Mack. Oh, actually, I was thinking about that. She, I mean, okay, all that weirdness was lying in a time where everybody says, yeah, but that's over. That person will never happen, right? You know? Isn't Bonnie Rotten kind of doing it now? Uh, yeah, yeah, but not to that level, though. Yeah. Like, for whatever reason, you know, she wasn't the craziest performer in the world. She was, you know, but all those little weird things that need to align were aligning. And then she just said, all right, I'm done with it. Okay. You know, fine. Um, Jesse Jane. She was big. Well, right. And then you say was. Yeah. But she was with digital her whole career up to a little while ago. You know. What She was there. She yeah. was that girl again. She was, you know, there was a moment, I think, you know, if she did not sign those last couple of times and jumped away and maybe did her own thing, she could have been that person, you know, to, you know, something like that. Um but, but I'm it, sure they paid her a fuckload of money. I'm sure. <laughs> so, well, you know. Because I remember like in like... And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I remember like late 90s, even early 2000s, when you like look at like E-Channel, you'll see some of the porn, bigger porn girls actually doing like travel show and things like that. Remember right. that? Yeah, yeah. Jenna. Yeah. Jenna and, and from Cancun, uh, from uh, Cannes. But, uh, you know... For Jesse, she's got that kid, has a child. So, I mean, I can imagine that you go, all right, well, under a contract, I get security. I still have to leave, but I can be home more. Yeah. And, and I respect that. I respect that decision to say, you know, money's not the end all, end all. You know, family and being there, coming from a divorced home, you know, and, and as we talked earlier about my mom. I yeah. very much respect a woman that's like, no. Okay. And there's a lot of girls like that in business. They're like, they, they have a, you know, their own single parent. They have to take care of the kids. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, did you did you work with Jessie Volt? Yeah. 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 What's she like? Boy, she's a beautiful girl and nasty too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've always had a great thing. Um, I only shot her once for myself. But I shot her for Manuel. I shot her for Mr. Pete. Shot her for somebody else. She's French, right? Twice for Manuel. Yeah, she's yeah. French. Yeah. Um, uh, she definitely likes my photography. You know? Definitely. And she asked me, she goes, when I come back next time, um, she's like, can I hire you to take some photos for me? Does she have a production company too in France or something? I, I or don't not? know what she has or mm -hmm. what she does. But, you know... She was just asking. She's like, you're, 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 I really like yours. You're, you're good. Like, you know. And I said, well, I'll, I'll do it if you want. She's like, okay. So we'll see if it happens, you know. Yeah. But I know. And, and I like it. I would, when there's that, okay, I'm going to give you more. And I'm going to give you more. Yeah. Right? Because we both care. Because so many of these girls, you can take a picture and it's beautiful, and you show them, and they're like, "Okay, yeah, well, it's all right, jaded." What do I do next, you know, now they yeah. just don't care. Yeah, I do what you tell me to do, right? You know, they're they're watching the clock, right? Basically, basically, yeah. right? You know, did you did you ever work with a girl named Faith Leon? Mm-hmm. 
That was a while ago. Wow. God. Old, yeah. Boy, she was a pretty girl. I only saw her once in that tent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well. I mean, I still think my, pretty wise, I love my ex. We were just boyfriend and girlfriend. We weren't married or anything, but uh, Rebecca Linares. Oh, you were with her? She's from Spain, right? She's yeah. tiny. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what? Now I remember. Did you used to go um, when Manuel used to invite people for mixed martial art and they, go, they will watch it at his house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was you because I think yeah. she was there with you and we were watching. And Manuel ordered a bunch of food for everyone and we yeah, were watching yeah. the fight. Yeah. Yeah, she's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, is she still in the business in the States? Or she's no, buying... no, she left. She, uh, she went um, with another camera guy in the business and I know they had a baby. I'm assuming they got married. Huh? I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, um, thanks, um, um, thanks for doing it, and I, I like I like the trajectory of your career. So, because people ask me, how did you get in? Like, you know, I mean, for me, I I, I went and moved to California, and when I quit my job in Washington, I went to the porn convention. Evil Angel had a sign. They said they were looking for DVD producer, and like, out of the forty, fifty thousand people went to convention that year, I was the only one to apply. Not not because I was qualified. I don't know how to do it. They touch you everything, but right. yeah, it's funny how uh, sometimes. Literally, all you have to do is show up and ask and say, could you give me a job? And like, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. And Jack Napier was looking for work and he called the wrong place and he just accidentally called a porn production company and he was sweet and convinced. And girl said, why don't you come and check out the, you know, he wasn't even looking to do porn and, you know, people kind of. Well, I'm, okay, here you go. Here's a good one. Um, have, have you done a podcast with uh, Mind Freak yet? No. You, you know that? the buzz on the new director over there at Archangel. He did some stuff at Elegant Angel. He's married to Tori Black. Oh, wow. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Right? Well, he goes by the name Mind Freak. Yeah. Okay. Um, he was my assistant when we started the Black Ice Company. Yeah. I found him in Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> I went in yeah. there to get a bunch of sheets and yeah. was during the holidays because mm -hmm. I had just bought uh, this new bed yeah and uh the guy was hustling man running like didn't do like a normal bed path and be on yeah. the boy going i don't care you know you got this let me check for you man and he'd run and come back yeah yeah we don't have that one we don't we got this one you're like and you know and then i had to go back in a couple other times because things didn't work or whatever but you like that right somebody hustling and like that hustle man and and talking and everything and i just said hey we're getting ready to start this uh, this black company, Black Ice, and and I don't believe that um, I should be the one doing it. I think that the black product wants wants a black director. I think they they want that. They want you know because you know in the old days we'd reach our hand out and grab the girl if like you're not getting anything yeah. kind of a tease. You're like oh you know whatever. I'm like I, I think they want that voice. They want that flavor. They want that 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 hand yeah. you know like to be true to the product you know everybody over at Zeraton thought it was crazy I'm like no I I believe it you know wait wait so there's so there's a young guy working at that place with no experience with that whole he business didn't know anything at all yeah so you changed his life I mean married <laughs> he's married to Tory Black uh-huh and they got two kids now uh, took him I took him to Prague yeah, and then when he 
things happened in his life and he had to uh, go on a vacation, <laughs> government-assisted vacation for a while. So he needed somebody else to do his job. And he told a friend of his who, who he knew uh, was an x-ray technician that they knew from basketball. He knew him from the gym. And he's like, no, this guy's solid. Trust me, man. I wouldn't do you wrong. And I interviewed him, and I'm like, okay. Seemed like we got along okay. And I'm yeah. like, let's give it a shot. So he worked for me here for about six months. I took that guy all over the world. I mean. What's his stage name? Uh, his, his name was um, uh, Dwayne. Um, uh, oh, Christ, what was his stage name? Dwayne. I can't remember now what his stage name was. I, I know it by his real name, so. Um, but uh, we went to, um, it, was, it was Black Ice Director as well. Yeah. Um, uh, but took him to Brazil <laughs> two times, yeah. took him to, to Prague, took him uh, to a couple of times, took him to Budapest, Italy. You know, yeah, that's, you, you're, like you're changing people's lives. Like, yeah, he never thought he'd leave LA, you know. And man, but Chris, you, you did someone solid. I mean, Tori Black is one of the most beautiful women in the business ever. You know, she just did um, yeah. um, Ray Donovan. She was in one of the episodes this season on Showtime, and she looks. She's. I mean, she's great. And yeah. yeah. Well, Angela Dark and her. I mean, for sure. Like the one of the best good-looking girls ever. And that guy. If he if he never met you, he might have been just working at some shitty retail job for the rest of his life, you know. Uh, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Man, um, Chris, thanks, and uh, yeah, I, lo I love stories like that. And he must he must be very grateful what you did for him. That's a just a, you know. Yeah, and he's doing well, and I like that. Mm -hmm. You know, and we still talk. He'll still call and ask me. I got this. What what what's 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 my angle here, man? I'm, yeah. What's going on? Like, don't take that shit, man. The shit we have to do, like going to work and shooting and doing the job, that's not the job. The job is dealing with the other side of it. Yeah. The heads of the corporations, the different this, the different that, you know, and like fighting for that extra budget money, fighting for, you know. Oh, fighting to get paid sometimes. You know, I mean, I'm sh I know you don't have a problem like that Jewish Jordan production, but I have other no. friends with other shitty company and like they do their work, they work really hard and they're either getting, p p not, not getting paid or if, even if they're getting paid back of their head, they know they're getting ripped off. I mean, just one story after another, you know, like yeah. it, it's just fuck, you know. Mm -hmm. That's the work. Yeah. You know, and that's the work that, that nobody lets you know about until you get there and then you're like, oh man. So, but uh, all right, Chris. That's why I like working for everybody. <laughs> Chris, thanks for doing it, and thanks for all the stories. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know you that well, but yeah, uh, I think my uh, listeners will like hearing it. And I, I just, it's such a great story, man. Just if somebody would told you um, 25 years ago that you'll be doing this, you'll be probably surprised, right? I mean, <laughs> you're just some kid in, in, in funny, Maryland. Once I started doing it, like, you know, my brother's still back there, yeah. you know, in Maryland, and, and he'll run into people because he left LA years ago. Yeah. And he'll run into, like, you know, it's it's a small town. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, dated a lot of people, and he'll run into some of my exes and be like, so what, what's your brother doing? Oh, he's out in California making porn, you know? And they're like, 
Well, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, uh, Chris, thanks, and uh, can't uh, wait to see you again and um, continue the good work at Joe's production. And uh, man, um, um, your stuff is great, and uh, I, you. you you work so hard, and uh, I really appreciate you doing it. Now. Um, Everyone, please follow Chris's uh, Twitter account and uh, and please pay for his product for God's sake. Pay for it. You know, it's it's worth it. He put his heart and soul into that product. So um, check it out. All right, thanks for listening in. Talk to you guys soon.